So I'll go ahead and get started. Um, this is our 30th episode. Actually, our 31st, but, you know, we'll just say it's our 30th. Uh, and <laughs> The bizarre movie episode that's out exactly. of time. <laughs> exactly. So this is our 30th episode for all intents and purposes. It's also our first, just past our first anniversary. And so I kind of wanted to mix things up. Kind of just have fun for an episode instead of having to, you know, basically do homework, you know, in, in, in preparation for the show. So, uh, I just have open, kind of an open forum for a, ran- a bunch of random topics that I came up with, uh, you know, that we could talk about. A lot of stuff that's been happening on the forum. Uh, there's a lot of interesting topics that are happening. I think interesting topics that are happening on the forum. And I covered a couple different threads, so. Instead of doing a character-focused episode, we're just going to do a let's talk about Berserk kind of thing, which is kind of how we started this podcast to begin with. Uh, we didn't really have an episode discussion. We just said, I'll oh, just record and see how it goes. So so nothing will be different for Az and I. It's just going to yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, no homework, no research, just winging it. Okay, we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> just this once. Yeah. So – as I sit my Dr. Pepper. Oh, by the way, speaking of random shit, um, G- Griffith will know this, but Azil probably won't. Um, Griff, you know, Mr. Pibb is kind of like Dr. Pepper's rival, right? Like, yeah, Mr. Pibb, you know, he didn't go all the way through med school. He didn't get his PhD. He just said, <laughs> fuck it. I'm just Pibb, you know? Yeah, he didn't, you know, he washed out. Right. And you can, you can taste a certain, you know, there's less sophistication to the Mr. Pibb taste, you know? Uh, and they even have you know, now that now it's called Pib Extreme, I think is what it's called. It's not even called Mr. Oh, Pib anymore. He's really gone. He's yeah. gone down a dark road. Exactly. Whereas Dr. Pepper is still Dr. Pepper, uh, and Dr. Pepper famously is uh, 23 flavors of soda, different flavors all mixed in. I noticed though with the new Mr. Pib marketing, Pib Extreme, it has a new thing on the logo that blew me the fuck away. So all flavors? <laughs> no, it's it's like it's way it's a totally different direction. On the on the on the on the label it says Pib Extra, sp- spiced cherry flavor. Ugh. So it's not saying it's a new version of Mr. Pib. It's giving away one of their secret ingredients, spiced cherry. Do you really think spiced cherry when you drink Mr. Pib or even Dr Pepper? No. I yeah, mean, maybe, I know. I mean. I don't even know what spiced cherry means. Like, maybe, I don't maybe, think of- maybe we're not supposed to know what spice. Maybe they're making it up as they go along. Ah, spiced cherry, sure, why not? You know, it sounds but, very flavorful. I'll give them yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that that blew me away uh, as a soda connoisseur of since, since childhood that Mister Pib would fess up the spiced cherry in their drinks. What the fuck? All right, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't on the topics list, but uh, I did want to start with asking you guys. After recording for a year and kind of, you know, it seems like every single episode we're thinking like, ah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll see what kind of podcast we want to do. It seems like every episode I'm kind of rethinking or, or trying to rethink like what works, what doesn't work. Like what would you guys like to see more of uh, in the future? Like what, what podcast do you think worked best and which podcast do you think didn't work? Uh, are you asking like us? <laughs> well, yeah, um, that's, that's the idea. Who else yeah. is in here? Is somebody else here? Shit. Yeah, well, the thing is, uh, I don't really listen to the podcast, so I have uh, absolutely no idea what worked or not. Well, you've, you've been there for every recording, though, so. Well, not everyone. Okay, you've missed like two. <laughs> yeah, well, I honestly, uh, I don't really know. I Those mean, ones I... didn't work. 
<laughs> oh, you guys. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. So ones where we wing it, uh, I guess uh, I like them, you know. Yeah. But, but it's not so, so, you know, how to say, you know, structured. Right. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think, just to finish, I, I don't think we can, uh, we can do that like every time because, uh, we are bound to just, you know, end up repeating ourselves after, after a while. So I think it's good to have at least some direction. Yeah. No, like not totally random. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, there's only been like, I can only remember one episode I didn't think that like went well. Mm-hmm. That was like sort of like, I, I don't remember, I don't even remember which one. I just remember one that, you know, sort of went off the rails and was kind of rudderless. And yeah. another time when, uh, I guess when you weren't there, uh, Walter, when you, uh, you had to go and it was Az and I like going crazy for about like an hour in front of you. It was mostly me just like forcing Az to keep talking. I think he wanted to leave. A cell phone talk, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, there's, you know, that, that, that's not the same episode, but I mean, I guess that counts. It was sort of a special, uh, circumstance. But yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was I always the same come episode. away, uh, I always come away, uh, like thinking it went well. Like I come in thinking like, oh man, I don't know what's gonna happen. I, you know, I really yeah. didn't think about this. And then, you know, it, you know, we do the show and it's always a great time just talking about Berserk. And then, you know, that makes me come away feeling good about it. Right. I just wanted to say, like, most of, most of my favorite episodes are when we're just kind of talking. The problem is it doesn't always work. Like, there are some times when we'll talk, we won't necessarily have a direction, and then we'll talk too long on one topic and not enough on another. Like, I feel on some of the character-focused ones even, because this is such a large topic, we don't often do them complete justice. Like, looking back, like, I think yeah. we, did a, we did a void one where I think I, like, I really closed it off too soon. Like I probably could have gone on. Quite yeah, a bit. I agree. Mm-hmm. And I, it wasn't, an, and then in that in that case, like you said, Azia, you like it when we kind of just bullshit. But something like that requires some planning, I think, and structure to like to to have it go in a decent like conversation pace. You have to kind of plan it out. Yeah. On a topic like that. Well, I'll, I'll admit, uh, I think I should, uh, you know, prepare more. You know, because uh, sometimes, yeah, I do think most of the time, honestly, most of the time, I think we we cut uh, Berserk topics uh, off too soon. You know, yeah. like you know, there's the one you listed, but many times, I think the thing is, you know, at what point are we artificially, you know, keeping the conversation going, and uh, at what point are we just, you know, cutting it short while we could just go on? It would still be interesting, but yeah, I yeah. I, t- I tend to think uh, in general we we do, you know, cut them off a bit a bit too short. But the, you know, the good part is. I mean, we can keep doing this, you know, forever. So yeah, we can still, we can always do another one, you know. Yeah, I mean, for example, one of the one of the topics I'd listed here before we opened it up to open forum was going to be Shirke and Isidro. Given that we've already even pretty much had a podcast on them, we just really spitballed the whole time, and I didn't really plan it out. So I, I would definitely want to revisit some of those character ones. Although I think we really did. We kind of exhausted Skull Knight and Griffith. I think. Yeah, well, the, the thing with Shiruke and Isidro, for example, is we, we can do an episode about Shiruke and Isidro together, you know, their relationship to each other and such, but we can also do like a full episode on Isidro, just Isidro, and another one just on Shiruke, and there, there'll still be, you know, plenty of things to say, uh, you know, in my opinion, so. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I, and again, it, the, the trick in all these podcasts to kind of tie a bow on this subject is that the trick in all of them is to make it entertaining and also kind of informative. And that's the whole pot, pot, you know, reason we're doing this, uh, to, to begin with is to also inform readers and also just make it fun, make it a podcast about Berserk that's entertaining to listen to and not just a lecture, you know? Yeah. So, 
that's the that's the full scope of it. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's been a year, and we'll we'll keep doing this, I guess, every couple of weeks. Uh, are you guys cool with a two week format? I've never really asked you guys. Uh, I mean, I know my schedule's increased a lot, uh, less open free time on the computer and stuff recently. Um, are you guys cool with two week? I was thinking about maybe we could do like just. You know, whenever an episode comes out, we do an episode. An episode is that like way too scarce? I think it might be uh, too scarce, but we could move to once every three weeks. You know, I mean, I w- I wouldn't mind. I'll be honest. I've been kind of busy these, these days. You know, so it's been uh, <clears throat> like an effort to make time for the podcast. But at the same time, you know, whatever. I enjoy yeah. it, so I, I don't really mind. I don't really mind. I guess I wouldn't mind. You know, bumping up to once every three weeks. Or even once a month, but I think that might be a little too, you know, yeah, too scarce. And once, you know, I mean, when an episode comes out, the problem is, you know, like we might get three in a row and we might not get one for, you know, four months. So I think it's just too, it's not regular enough. And, right, yeah. you know, you know, it has to be, I think, uh, you know, fuck, I don't, I don't know the word, but it, no, has, no, it has to be regular. Cons- consistent. I agree. That's, that's yeah. part of what makes podcasts great. I mean, that's, how I rely on a lot of podcasts is I know they come out on a Monday or I know this one comes out on a Tuesday, you know, and ours comes out every other Sunday. And so it's nice to have a schedule and, and keep to it. So, yeah. Well, I was going to just say too scarce. Is that a criticism of Mira's release schedule? Yes. <laughs> what, are you, what are you trying to say as? <laughs> I use the word scarce. You know, you guys, me. you guys trying to piss me off. You want me to post in that fucking three reviews? Is that right? You want yeah. me to do oh, it? Oh yeah. Oh, I was, I've been waiting. It, you know, I would have, I would have posted in it, but it's full of shit. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what these guys are talking about. I think half the guys in there didn't understand what you meant when you made when you made the thread. You know. Now don't yeah. say that. I, you know, we need you need activity. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, yeah, of course, there's stuff to, you know, to fix, like, you know, when, you know, there's a door closing in the, on the ship, there's, you know, diabas nails, there's, you know, quite a few things, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even notice. See, that's why you need to get in yeah, there and really, really yeah, make a comprehensive list. It's my time when these guys are just bullshitting. I want a clean thread, you know, I like, you know, things to be neat, you know. I guess that's why, I, <clears throat> that's why people call me a Nazi, but no, no, seriously, yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll post. You know, maybe when it reaches page two or three, something like that. Well, it, when, it, when it becomes what? a thread of some stature, <laughs> yeah. it deserves it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, but seriously, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it went to a weird direction. I mean, you know. But uh, yeah, it's it's not a bad idea. Although I, you know, I don't know. I disapprove of, uh, <clears throat> you know, what you imply with the you know, opening scene of the first volume. So... <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if we really want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. sure. I mean, that's what uh, it's kind of on the list. So go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well. Okay. So you think that scene? Okay. What? I mean, just give me. I mean, what is your objection to my saying? You know, I guess that so things could be changed, or that maybe Mura would change something about that scene today. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I. I don't know. I don't really know. Yeah. He. He'd probably change that scene, but you know, I. I thought about it uh, in the past. You know, how it could be made different. And I don't think there's an easy way to do it because it, you know, it introduces the character, but it doesn't show the Dragon Slayer, it doesn't show the brand. So there are stuff that's not shown and revealed later on. So I always thought that it, that's was, true. it was kind of tricky to, you know, just modify it, you know, 
to make it, you know, seem more like Gut was, uh, you know, having a hard time and not just banging, you know, monster for the hell of it. Well, I, I think we, we have to think of it like Miura thought of it back in the day. I mean, I, I don't think he necessarily was trying to make that scene super consistent with the rest of the detailed lore and everything. He was just making like, here's what this hero is capable of. Here's what this guy will do to get revenge against these apostles. He'll yeah, he'll yeah much of will have you know? as much sex as yeah. he needs to he'll have whatever to get he has his to vengeance. Yeah. No, but uh, actually, I was thinking the exact same thing about because I was getting pretty deep on this scene and like it's basically like a, I was what I admire most about it. It's basically like a three page like story. It's like a little three page arc to get you into this series. That has, you know, a little bit of everything to grab someone's attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's because I was, you know, getting deep in this thing, thinking about, you know, like, you know, why it was this way and how it could be changed into something else and, you know, why it is the way it is. And I really came away appreciating, like, you know, for three pages, this is quite a, like a great little attention grabber and this little arc where, you know, it starts out with sex and he gets into trouble, you know, but then it's, you know, you get this reveal and then, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool and dramatic just, you know, for those purposes. So I don't know, yeah, how you would, uh, how you would change it and still, you know, to sort of, uh, to mesh with everything else yeah. while maintaining, you know, what's good about it. Well, I think that's why we're not the ones writing the series, you know, it's like, I don't know how to <laughs> fix it because I didn't create it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but totally. I'm, I'm well, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure if Miura really wanted to, he could probably revisit it. But again, I mean, when it comes back down to it, like the whole scope of your thread, it's like, I just want him to keep making more Berserk. You know, I don't, I, yeah. it's so tough for me, to, for me to think about him redacting stuff. Yeah, and I mean, uh, it's, it's the, part, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say the points, uh, one of the points that was made in the thread, I think is, uh, you know, very, uh, you know, how to say pertinent and that people often don't really get is, you know, people often say, oh, he has the first three volumes. Yeah, the art was not that good. I wish Mira would read it. You know, actually, it's not just the first three volumes. You know, it's not like, you know, the first three are, you know, the art is just, just, you know, at a lower level and then it gets incredibly good, you know, up to, to the standards. It's very progressive. Sure. And, and you know, like if Mira, you know, Mira's made comments before, just saying very generally is like, you know, when he was looking at his past artwork, sometimes he felt like, you know, a bit embarrassed that it was too amateurish and such. But the thing is, like, if he started, you know, redrawing parts, you know, he would just end up redrawing the whole series, you know. And, you know, by the time he would have finished, you know, redrawing everything from, you know, volume 1 to volume, you know, 36, he would have to start again because he would have gotten better again, you know. So it's a never-ending cycle. And uh I think it's just, I don't know if I really wish... He would go and redraw things, you know. I like, I can appreciate, you know, some of the artwork uh, he used in the, even in the first volume and, you know, in volume six and volume, you know, 14 and such. So, redrawing everything in his current style, I don't know. I don't think it's very proper. I actually oh, like uh, to see the progression. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see him, like, do something like that either. I mean, that was actually the joke I would make that, you know, if he, if he went back, you know, it's a slippery slope. If he goes back and starts redrawing things, like, particularly the first three volumes, then it's like, He'd get better, and he'd have to redraw everything, and then yeah, just yeah. like you said, he'd have to do. He'd have to keep doing it because he'd keep getting better. <laughs> but I just wonder if you know, sort of, what they do with the volumes. If when he's done with the series, you know, I'm and this is sort of a romantic notion, like you know, he couldn't put it down or you know, couldn't let it go. I mean, I know he wants to move on to other things, but you know, maybe he'd get like that little berserk itch or something, and want to go back and you know, say like you know. Maybe I could change this, you know. I don't know. 
it's not something that's uh, probably going to practically happen because, I mean, the volumes are already released and done in a finished product. But, you know, it would be interesting. One, one, one thing that allows to have a bit of both, I think, is, uh, you know, when Mura uh, redraws, you know, like, you know, to make color pages and such, you know, he paints, uh, you know, characters or scenes from past episodes, you know. He's done it a bit with the, you know, drink card game and we've seen some, uh, you know, some, some, some of it with, you know, some paintings he's done of like guts. You know, in his younger age, or you know, during the golden age, or for example, uh, even the three little episodes we got, you know, showing Gus as a kid, you know, uh, the, like some kind of the missing part between when he fled after King Gambino and when he was, you know, taken up by the the band of the Falcon. So, yeah, I think we can get that itch, you know, to see, you know, the past, you know, parts of the series in his newer art style, satisfied with, you know, these little things, even though, of course, it's not the same as, you know, a full, you know, redrawing of everything. Yeah, I mean, it was it was neat, and I'm sure we, we comment on that as well, as, you know, him revisiting Gambino and those early style drawings, it was neat to see, but, I, I mean, the reason I said that in the thread was if you, if you give me a completely open, you know, table and say, if you could change one thing about the series... I mean, one, one to three really does stick out to me, and maybe it is a false perception, but uh, to, in my head, one to three is the one that, that could use the most polish, I guess. Uh, it deserves the most uh, attention to detail, and I don't know. Well, I, 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 it's always it's difficult. It is difficult for me to go back and look at the art from that after you've been ne- neck deep in you know the modern stuff, uh, and, and so you just wish that you could uh, look a little better. That's all. Well, yeah, but, you know, that being said, uh, you know, I've often compared, you know, like early volumes, not just, you know, like that. I mean, even volume 20, for example, with, you know, the stuff he's doing nowadays. And there's actually a lot less details, even in, you know, very late volumes by comparison compared to now. So, yeah. you know, even though I agree with you, of course, that, you know, and for all the reasons you mentioned, mm-hmm. even in the thread, you know, that, uh, of course, the early volumes, you know, needs, uh, w- you know, are the ones which would need the most attention because by definition there's a, you know, the oldest ones. But, you know, even much later on, you know, there's still, when you compare it to, you know, nowadays, there's always going to be a lack of details because he's increased his level, you know, exponentially to a point okay. where, where it's just ridiculous. Well, yeah, I, I, I agree, but I, I just don't see it being an endless cycle because, I mean, basically what you're saying is, what I'm saying is I can go back and read volume 14 through 20 or whatever, and the art just, to me, looks fucking stellar. Whereas I look back at the art in one through three, and it looks like he's not quite there yet as an artist. You know what I mean? Like, by by, the, by a certain time of the series, he's already achieved, in my opinion, like a great artist potential, uh, and, it, and it's fine as it is. Whereas one through three, it's like, yeah, he needs a little bit more work before this goes, you know? That's all, that's all I mean. Hmm. What, what's interesting to me is like, um, and we talked about this the other day, Walter. We sort of touched on it very uh, gently. Was uh, is there a point of uh, like diminishing? You know, is there a point where he's going to plateau and like the details aren't going to keep coming? You know, like because it's it's already gotten so crazy. And we were also talking about like the release schedule and if it like if we could get more, you know, this is a great Berserk question. Episode, yeah, more Berserk episodes. You know, yeah, more frequently, this- but with the details going down. Let's say, you know, like it get it went. I mean, this you know, this isn't practical to somehow go back and style. But like, if it could be like volumes fourteen to twenty, you know, more in that style, and even there was variation in those volumes, you know, a, pro- a progression. But if it could be like at that level, which was already fantastic, 
and in, yeah. you know many people's favorite you know style in the series would that be worth sure. it if we could get you know keep it you know every every two weeks get a berserk episode you this know is and a, sort of point of diminishing returns where it's just like you know i don't need this many details <laughs> you know yeah i mean uh, some, uh, there's a lot to say about this topic i mean we talked about it quite a bit on the other day the long and short of my answer is I have quite a bit to say about it, but the long and short of my answer is it would be difficult for me to go back to that style after having seen what he's capable of, you know, just for the sake of a of a release schedule. Because when it comes down to it, like I think of Berserk, you know, yeah, we're we're currently experiencing it serially in a, in a serialized episodic format. But think about the series from uh, the long range perspective. Look at think about it twenty years from now. Think about fans that will go back and read Berserk after it's long been over. You know, if if there was some somehow a way for Mira to go back and make a more economical style, less detailed, a little easier to put out, it would it would be quite a a jarring shift from less detail to more detail back to less detail. It would be strange. Whereas everything until now has been a progression as an artist. You know, he's constantly getting better and better, more detailed. So. I mean, that's, that's what I feel about that, but yeah, there, there is certainly a conversation to be had about, as fans, what would you like more? Would you like more of it, uh, in a more, in a more economical style that's still very impressive, but not less, not so, you know, painstakingly detailed and, and manicured, I guess, to a certain extent? Or versus a you know prolonged release schedule, but more you know, detailed. You know, I think that's not necessarily a very good you know <clears throat> dilemma. I mean, you know, because I'm not convinced that the drawing, you know, purely drawing and the art style and you know all the detail is you know the main reason for the delays. You know, I I don't think that's you know why it's taking so long and just why. I think Mira's also taking you know quite a lot of time to you know set up the story and you know what's coming. <coughs> I know we've said that in the past. I know I've said that in the past. You've said that in the past. And it, it, that has been my belief for a long time. But I'm open to the argument that it is a large part of it because we've been saying that since like 2004 or five. I mean, are we really saying he's been planning the series to the extent where it's going to cause him to take month-long breaks for the past seven years? You know, the art has to be a factor in that, I think. Yeah, it's a factor. But, you know, I think it's also, you know, even from your own declarations, you know, from what he said, uh, I, I, I don't think it's purely the art. I think the art plays a role. And I think uh, it's safe to say his uh, risk career has doubled. Uh, you know, I would say from an art, an art uh, perspective. So mm-hmm. I think it it would, you know, take him a month to release an episode instead of two weeks, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think beyond that, he's also taking, you know, quite a lot of time, you know, to plan for the series, even now. Because I think uh, he's, he's being very careful because he wants to try and avoid, you know, the, you know, pitfalls uh, a lot of authors, you know, fall, fall in, which is they have set up a story for a grand, you know, re- reveal or grand ending and it just, you know, falls short. And, you know, a lot of sure. uh, authors uh, went through that. Yeah, I mean, we're as we we've said many times over. There's a lot of conflicts that are on the table right in front of us that are just on the precipice of being revealed and resolved. Like guts and Casca, that's like right there in front of us, you know. And and how elegantly he's able to dance that topic is it's, it's going to say a lot about the quality of the series. Yeah. And also, I mean, I, I think it could even be divisive among some people, even if it is performed magnificently well and it's a great solution to that predicament. 
I imagine it could be divisive, though. Some people might oh. not like the way it's resolved. So yeah. Well, no, we we already know it's going to be uh, fine because we saw it in the the canon Dreamcast game. How she's going to react? <laughs> yeah. It's all you know. That's I, yeah. Just as simple as know. that. Yeah. Yeah, she, she she had her memory the whole time. She was just in a dream state. Everything's peachy keen. All she oh, has yeah, to do I is that. It was like she was in a in a bad dream. dream. I, forgot the, yeah. I forgot what the dialogue is in there. Yeah, now I'm interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, she pretty much just of, says she just pretty much just says guts. It. I was in a I had a bad dream or something like that. Or, yeah, I can't remember. I just remember the yeah. the voice acting like Casca, my love. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kind of funny. But uh. No, uh, as actually reminded me of something I was thinking about on the drive over here, actually, which was uh, sort of a, it was, I was having it like as an idea, a thesis for an, an article, but it was basically like the idea that Miura is attempting to take, you know, his story, you know, his personal sort of, you know, tale that he's trying to tell, and he's trying to attempt, you know, and I think this was a conscious, you know, decision, like, you know, as he aged, it wasn't something he set out to do. I think he's trying to make it kind of, I don't know, for lack of a better, you know, more nuanced phrase, like the the greatest story ever told. Hmm. Like he's really trying to, you know, he's trying to make it, he's trying to blow it out as big and good as he possibly can. And I think that's sort of what the Fantasia, Hmm. like the whole Fantasia thing represents. Yeah. It's like an attempt. Yeah. It's like he's, he's not just trying to make, you know, the best story he can make. He's really trying to, you know, make it like. Uh, he's trying to make it every story. Like, he's trying to, you know, make it everything. He's trying to, you know, make it... I mean, I think it's like... I think he's trying to do something very ambitious with that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, and it's been... I think it's... And I was thinking about how people sort of misinterpret it, and it comes down... You know, because it went from being something that was, you know... That felt a little more, like... I guess, you know, people see the Black Swordsman stuff, you know, that sort of stuff is more grounded and, you know, more focused on one certain aspect and you can understand it and it's easy to categorize, you know, as like a revenge story. And then, mm-hmm. you know, when it broadened into and brought in all these, you know, so it, it expanded the fantasy elements that it, you know, it dealt with regularly. People, you know, didn't know what to make of it. And there was a lot of the comparisons to like, oh, it's like this, it's like that. It's like Lord of the Rings where it's like, I don't think, you know, I don't think he was like, affected by the popularity of those things so much as like what those things were based on themselves he brought that kind right. of stuff in yeah of course you know and everything else and so i don't know it was a really interesting thing and i was thinking about stuff like just like griffith like how he's he's basically you know the devil and the antichrist all in one and he's the main character's like best friend who mm-hmm. betrayed him you know so he's this he's this small and, personal enemy and, and, his, and his son yeah and and to the world at large though He's he's basically he's this big hero, but he's also you know they don't know he's he's the Antichrist, right. and it's like that's and it's all very organic, you know when you when you say that that sounds like kind of a tall order, but it's mm-hmm. it's all been done very organically. So I think you know it just re- as reminded me of that when he mentioned you know sort of taking all this time to plan and you know come up with yeah come up with things that work you know like this and was oh. it's an interesting thing. What do you guys think of that idea that it's, you know, objectively attempting to be sort of, you know, the greatest story it can possibly be? Well, you know, one thing worth noting is also the fact that even though we are at, you know, at the threshold of, uh, you know, seeing, you know, big reveals, Mira still, you know, he's still, you know, uh, bringing in new stuff, you know, like the Wingstones, you know, the fact uh, the Moonlight Boy could, you know, travel through the three and, and that, that kind of stuff. I mean, all of that is still, I mean, we're still getting, you know, 
you know, amazing reveals, even though we are the, you know, we're almost, you know, seeing, you know, stuff we've been waiting for for like 10 years. Yeah. But well, I think yeah. the, if I could just stop you for a minute, I think the tree is a great example of, uh, probably yeah, the best single say. example of, of course. Uh, of that thing where he, like he literally is using that tree like he's tying it into every you know sort of like creation myth you know in like yeah, of every course. story like that uh, this, this that's thing, sort of in a nutshell to 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 go uh, to go back to what you were saying yeah i think you know there's also the aspect that uh, muras set up you know the golden to be very powerful you know and that kind of stuff and when it came you know when came the time to you know how to say you know, tie it back together, like, who is God going to, you know, you know, get to the good hand and who is it going to happen? You know, like in volume 17. And so he, I think it's at, at that point, you know, even maybe earlier than that, even after, you know, the eclipse, maybe during the conviction arc as at the very beginning, he d- decided he would, you know, make it into a, a really big, you know, epic story, you know, like a truly an epic, you know, much like, you know, you know, as a dictionary definition of the thing, you know. And, uh, and yeah, so, and it, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, but that's also the nature of the work, you know. From that point on, when he decided to, to do it like that, you know, it was, it, it had no choice but to go in that direction. And it, it's, you know, can be seen even, you know, as early as when, uh, Mira said, you know, that he felt the story was finally beginning, you know, when, uh, Femto was incarnated, you know, that kind of stuff. Because, uh, yeah, to, in order to defeat, you know, beings of, you know, such power and, you know, with, you know, events of that magnitude, yeah, he was going to have to bring in, uh, elements that matched, you know, their power and, you know, to show the reader what that power entailed and, you know, what was the things at stake. And so it became from a story of revenge, you know, or as a personal story of revenge, it became, you know, story of uh, saving the world and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And it's interesting that uh, the Golden Age arc, which, you know, stands out in people's minds for a lot of marketing reasons, is it really is like just a small flashback yeah. <laughs> at this point. Sure. <laughs> like, yeah. It was the – you needed the Golden Age uh, – fuck, I don't need to talk about this. We know, why, we know why the Golden Age serves a purpose in the series. But it yeah, is frustrating well, that a lot of fans – Tend to gravitate towards that simply because that was their sort of first exposure. That, to like the as if that is know. the prime story. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, uh. it's, a, it's a TV show's fault, you know, and the fact <laughs> uh, a lot of people, you know, it, it's just that that kind of public, you know. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily <laughs> a lot of fans. It's just you know the fans you find, you know, on any websites on the internet that are pretty vocal about it, you know, and that's the difference. I'm not sure they represent like the major part of the fans who actually buy the manga. You know what I mean? There's the guys sure. who crawl out of the woods when uh, a new movie is released or stuff like that. But you know, the ones reading the manga and actually buying the manga, yeah, I, I don't think you know they believe the Golden Age was the height of you know Berserk story. Right? Yeah. I mean, um, the Griff, you to talk about your, your question is it is Mira attempting to create the greatest story ever? <clears throat> I don't necessarily think he it's, it's conscious in terms of him trying to think of Berserk in uh, context of everything else. I think he's so focused on his own story that he just keeps on raising his own standards of what's he, what he expects from his series. Because to me, Berserk's gotten better and better as it's progressed. Uh, I just think he's just make, trying to make this one story the greatest story he can tell. I don't think he's necessarily trying to make it the best story ever. I think it, it may end up that way based on everything he's doing to it, but it's just, he seems like such a humble guy. 
I can't, I can't imagine him at his, at his workbench trying to say, how can I make the best story of all time? You know? Well, but, uh, well I mean, it's, you know, he's trying to make the best, his story as best as it can be. We yes, can put it, you know, yes. that way. And so that means, you know, incorporating all these, you know, great elements, you know, so I don't, you know, I don't know exactly, uh, I don't want to sort of put like portray ideas, you know, or speak for him or anything like that, you know, ideas that he might not be having. But I mean, I don't know. I just think that they're, there probably was some point where, you know, at his, uh, at his symbolic, you know, his metaphorical workbench, you know, he's working on his story and he like, he's been doing it a long time and he thinks like, I want to take this, you know, as far as I can take it, you know, right. he wants to take it to the limit, you know, cause it's, it's, it's become, it's at this point, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know what, you know, what he has in store after this, you know, but at this point right now, it's like, you know, he could get a lifetime achievement award, you know, for Berserk already. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's I his think, life's uh, work. It's enough, it's enough for me to say that he doesn't want to sell what he's created short by, you know, uh, not capitalizing on the world he's created. And yet he's also still expanding that world. So it's really a yeah. phenomenal achievement. Speaking of achievement, I mean, that brings up sort of another thing I want to talk about in relation to this directly is, you know, it's perception. Uh, we talked about that a little bit, but I think Berserk, unfortunately, is trapped in not only its perception of the public already based on the different adaptations it's had, but also in the medium itself. I think it only achieves so much in, in the medium it's in because manga is such a huge, huge universe of stuff. It's constantly evolving, constantly changing. Even for a series that's been around for more than 20 years, I think it's difficult for it to stay as popular uh, because of its length and because of the delays. And I think ultimately, regardless of the quality of the series, I can't imagine – it will ever get as much respect and adoration as a story as it, as it deserves because of it, it being mired down in the medium. So, well, that being said, you know, I mean, at some point it's going to, you know, be finished. And, uh, when it's ended, I think at that time, you know, there'll be an opportunity to really, you know, <clears throat> revive, uh, you know, its popularity in the, you know, public's eyes and, you know, to really put it forth as a, you know, a great work of art, you know, something that's not just, you know, another comic book, you know, or, you know, something, you know, whose, you know, main feature would be ultra violence or, you know, bullshit like that. So I think at the time there'll be an opportunity, you know, much like, you know, many of the great artists of, you know, our time, you know, people who are now revered, you know, greatest painters and such, you know, when they lived, you know, they were considered to be, you know, pretty much losers, you know, and they died, you know, miserably and, you know, nobody acknowledged their talents. And then, you know, hundred years later people rediscover their works and were like wow this guy wow he's amazing you know it, it was it's been the case for a lot of artists and even though it's not you know you know that you know dire in Mira's case I think you know once Berserk is finished there'll be an opportunity for people to realize how great it actually is yeah I was uh, just following up on what you guys said it's sort of uh, sort of the toughest part is introducing it to people that aren't like that don't have any familiarity or even have maybe like some negative you know perceptions of sure. like you know manga and anime and they sort yeah, of it carries, see it that way it carries a stigma as my point, yeah you know where it's like you know like what is that like naruto or something or dragon exactly. ball you know they, they wouldn't even know naruto it would be just like you know like what is that like you read like dragon ball z still <laughs> and it's like well no it's not like that really i mean you know it's it's tough to explain to someone like you know if you have a friend who's like you know a literature, you know, major, you know, or something. And, you know, it's like, you should read this. It's really good. And it's like, you know, it'd be hard for them to get past that, you know, 
that prejudice, I guess, you know, or that yeah. it's not even a prejudice. It's just sort of a, a stigma that's like, nah, I don't want to, you know, sort of like, like as with, you know, Vagabond or Breaking Bad, <laughs> he, he just, you know, it's not that he's like actively not wanting to watch it. He's just not giving it a chance. I mean, I mean, my, my example person with Berserk. <laughs> I think it could be, I mean, I think a good selling point if you're ever trying to, you know, sell a series to somebody, one of your friends, like if they knew you really well, you could just say, this is a series that I've been following for more than 10 years, episode by episode. Like, oh, geez, this must be actually pretty decent if you're willing to give it that much time, you know? Well, I've also been playing Diablo 2 for like 10 years, so I don't know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good game. If yeah. you were going to say Diablo 3, I was going to say, oh, fuck, fuck it then, but. Yeah, poor Diablo yeah. 3. It is, I, I have totally turned on it, <laughs> but uh, never mind, I digress. This, yeah, this, it was the. It'd be a, it's interesting sell. I've been able to get you know so it's like some people, you know they'll they'll interest in, instantly be interested, and other people you know they show interest, but it, you know it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, this, the specific reason I brought up perception was because, as some people may know, uh, you know the third movie came out this past week, or maybe a week ago. I can't remember now. Uh, I feel like and, everyone's turned on the the movie series at this point. You know, I'm sure not everyone has. There's still the supporters out there, and every once in a while, people come into the thread and say, "Wow, it's really negative in here." But like, it wasn't that way before. Like, I mean, you, the three of us, and uh, you know, a few others were vocally critical, but there were also a lot of you know, like, well, you know, it's a lot of love know, too. You know why that is, though. I mean, because everyone, all, even the people that were secretly hoping. You know, by movie three, it would turn itself around. It's, but now that movie it, three has landed, it's like, oh, here it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's it's just the end of the saga, basically. Well, we'll see what they do next, but it's the end of this part of the trilogy. Anyway, the reason to bring all this perception stuff up is uh, I've been seeing a lot of articles, actually mostly on Kotaku. I think they wrote three or four different Berserk-themed articles this week, uh, loosely termed articles. Like, they randomly did a, re- a review of the PS2 game. They did a review of movie three. Uh, they did all sorts of different shit, just like randomly bringing Berserk up on my otherwise a video game website and reading the comments there. It's, it's always difficult for me to read comments about Berserk on an, on a, you know, an independent forum. Uh, even like NeoGAF sometimes will mention Berserk and it's always sort of colored in the same light. It's the people that get stuck on the golden age or people that think that the series, you know, got worse after, you know, the incarnation ceremony. No series is gorier than this one. There's that sentiment. Right. And then, yeah, the opening line of the Kotaku review from movie three is like, Berserk's Berserk's known for two things, like great storytelling and gore. Like really (laughs) gore? Is gore really what defines Berserk? Like to me, that's just like... I think it's fair for it to be known for that because, you know, that's another... uh, thing i was thinking about with berserk and that and we've i've talked about this before how my one of my favorite things about it or one of the things that attracted me to it initially and made it seem like it was you know really for me personally was that it doesn't pull any punches with you know violence or with you know sexual content and that had always been something i wanted to see in a in a legitimate you know story you know and so it, you know, I, I can see why people are, you know, could see like, oh, you know, it's famous for its gore or it's, you know, it's too extreme for some people. Because I do think that is a hurdle, like to introducing it to certain people. There are certain people I would, you know, I would be very careful what I showed them so they did not get the wrong impression of what it was. But the the gore and the and the and the uh, the graphic detail of some of the violence to me is is merely a uh, a consequence of. The way the world is depicted, as as you say, yeah, like it's a harsh happening? reality. 
that it's a harsh reality in which monsters kill humans and they get they get eviscerated and that happens and so yeah. here's what happens when that happens you know it's not it's like not, it's not for the sake of like gore porn or anything like that which is but the right, problem like, is that's how people like good, try to categorize things and put them into a box yeah a, a, a visual example would be in like in volume 19 when guts rescues casca you know he has like a whirlwind of death and in the foreground are those two <laughs> yeah, the Casca, and yeah. in the background are all those parts you know so i mean yeah that stuff happens in the background but to me it just seems like such a detrimental detail to focus on it if that's what you're gonna take away from the series is like great storytelling and gore it's like it's, it's just a you huge know, you, well, so, at least he didn't so, say you know sex yeah the problem the thing you don't understand is that people have you know pretty low standards and most importantly they are not very good at you know judging what makes the quality of a series you know i've been saying for many years that a lot of people like berserk for the wrong reasons and these people don't tend to, you know, stay fans very long, or at least they don't tend to stay on a forum very long. And, you know, the thing is, yeah, if you, if you like Berserk, you know, I remember, you know, early on, you know, when, you know, before, you know, I, I don't know, around volume 24, when people were complaining about, you know, the magic and stuff, you know, these people already at the time, they were not getting, you know, what was making Berserk great, you know, which is the characters and, you know, the way the story is, you know, told. So there's many things and, you know, many different things to say, but the point is, the gore, if you're in it for the gore, you're going to be disappointed because, yeah, there's going to be whole volumes where, you know, there's no gore. And, you know, and that's it. And much like, oh, you're in there for the eclipse and such and to see, you know, characters being killed. Well, it's not going to happen. Go read, you know, I don't know, a song of ice and fire or something like that. Because, you know, you're a killed character when he needed to, but he's not going to develop character for 15 volumes and just kill him off to amuse, you know, a few more. And so the thing is, you know, yeah, a lot of people, I think, uh, you know, enjoy Berserk for the wrong reasons. And, you know, they don't understand what makes it great. And that's typically the case with that guy who say it's known for, you know, yeah, you know, storytelling and, you know, violence or something like that. You know, I mean, that's not wh- why it's, you know, popular and that's not why people buy it. Yeah. Well, I do think it's why some people buy it. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, yeah. It is. Let me modify. I think it's why some people read it, but, you know, I don't think these people necessarily buy it, if you see what I mean. Okay. I mean, according to Dark Horse, Berserk is a bloody manga battering ram. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it makes sense that that would be the the crowd that they're attracting, so. Actually, one of the, the article you linked in uh, our notes... Uh, yeah. It's interesting. It says it's, you know, it's about the, the PS2 game, actually. It says how it's this love letter to Berserk fans. And it, it made me think of, at first when I said years later, this game is still a love letter to Berserk fans, I was like, oh, it's an article about the Dreamcast game. And it's like, oh, wait, it's the PS2 game, the one that, like, you know, sort of weirdly <laughs> followed the manga, but not really. It, you know, but it, you know. And yeah. I was thinking, like, damn, you know, and it made me think about what I was saying, you know, that I don't know if you saw my post uh, from last night. Uh, I responded to you. I was saying how it's like, it's sort of like, you know, because it's like not everyone can, you know, experience that game anymore. I mean, not everyone like, not everyone like me has their Dreamcast set up and can just, you know, be like, I'm going to play some, you know, Guts Rage here, you know, some, uh, or, you know, to say it properly, like the Oblivion Herbs chapter. So it's, it's sort of sadly like, it's like a forgot, it's going to be a forgotten or lost chapter. And I mean, you know, it's fair to say, well, you know, that's fine because it's not actually in the manga. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, I mean, it seems canon to me. I mean, 
I don't know. Oh. What do you guys think? Do you think I, no? I, or? I've always considered it to be some kind of, you know, semi canon. You know, I, I always that's how I refer to it because I think uh, it depicts. You know, things the way Mura would make them. I mean, he wrote a story, but at the same time, it's not in the manga. So, while I don't pretend it's in the manga, and I don't think it should be considered to be, you know, a true part of the story, I think it's, uh, how to say, it could fit in the story. I, I don't know if I'm being clear, but, you know, to me, what is depicted reflects what Mura thinks, you know, could happen. So, I take it as, it's not in the story, but it could be. Well, the way I, I guess uh, I look at it sort of similarly as in like, it's, I think I, I had the phrase I used last night was it's, it seems like it's part of the story, but it's not part of the manga. You know, yeah. I think that, you yeah. know, where it's like, where it fits in there. And if you, you know, if you read it, you know, you can take it as legitimate and it fits in there. It doesn't contradict anything. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't, you know, it fits and it yeah. makes sense, but it's to not. Me it's, to me, it's less important whether or not it's canon because I, I, yeah, like you said, it fits. It doesn't contradict things that exist. It doesn't really necessarily change things exist, but it adds a layer of interesting stuff to talk about. I think, particularly with what happens with him in Casca, even though that kind of resolves itself and it's kind of self-explained as merely an effect of the Mandragora, and it's not necessarily how things will be resolved later. Still, as a fan, you wouldn't want to miss that moment. You know, if you're a fan yeah. of Berserk, if you're reading the series from scratch, like say you're a Dark Horse fan and you just started when Dark Horse started, you would not know that that exists, and you would be, you know. It would, it would suck to not have that experience, you know? Well, it's much in the same, you know, as, uh, you know, last episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, I, to me, it's sort of like it's like bonus material. Like, you know, where it's like, I mean, it's like a bonus story that's sort of a cool thing if you know it yeah. about it. But it's going to, but fewer and fewer people are going to, you know, have an opportunity to even become aware of it. Because it's not like everyone is playing, you know, old Dreamcast games. So I was going to ask I though. I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I should have checked before this episode started. But is it not on any of the download services? Is it not on the PSN or Xbox Live Arcade or anything uh, like that? I don't think so. Okay, I didn't think so either. I just wanted to be sure. No, in, I, in I, back- see, I think the PSN. I don't think the PSN has any uh, games that are not on a Sony platform. I mean, I, I might be wrong, but I think it's uh, only Sony stuff. Okay. No, no. I'm well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're probably right about that. Yeah. I was going to say something else, but. Yeah, and that's that's too bad because uh, I don't think that game – the game itself, was, it, it was great at the time. I had a lot of fun with it. I don't think the game itself necessarily holds up anymore. But yeah, from a storytelling aspect, I think it's it's definitely worth experiencing. Well, the, the gameplay was always a bit you know clunky. The thing that's most you know bothering is the fact – uh, the enemy's tech, you know, like a thousand hits to die. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, fought, yeah, I fought Zod the other day and it was just like, oh, this is worse than, you know, when Guts fights him for real, you know, at least that's, you know, <laughs> it's very fluid and, you know, everything happens, you know, pretty fast. Whereas this yeah. is just a lot of pounding, a lot of grinding. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting thing because it's like, yeah, I feel like it's this, there's this weird legitimacy issue with it where it's like, yeah, because it's like, but I do really feel like it's something that Mira, like he put his heart into, like, you know, he was really for it. It wasn't something that like, it seems like it wasn't something he didn't really care about. Well, like, I mean, yeah, he, he, he made, you know, all the characters, you know, the character design. I think, I think it's pretty obvious, you know, he really, you know, made a, you know, bigger effort, you know, for it. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's why I sort of feel like it's something where it's like I I think of it as being like canon and like part of the story just yeah, part of the story not part of the manga, but it's like it's something I sort of I fill in the blank, you know, between 22 yeah. and 23 with that. 
where it's, you know, because yep. it's even, because if he had drawn it, it would be just as, you know, legitimate as, you know, what, you know, what happened just now with the, the sea god or even something like, you know, Lost Children, which, you know, it's, it would be just that kind of a story mm-hmm. that would be, you know, and it, you know, it even as the theme, I think, uh, with what's her name, Annette Bal, uh, Balzac's uh, wife, you know, Annette. Yeah, yeah Annette. Where, uh, you know, it's like there's a parallel there with Guts and Casca mm-hmm. and, you know, wh- where yeah, that course, ends yeah. up that ties in directly with what the Beast, you know, tells them in volume uh, 23. I mean, there's even, you know, from that standpoint, there's continuity. And I think we discussed once the fact that it's not like directly referenced other than like a little Mandragora reference otherwise in the manga. Yeah. But I think you can. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I think, I think that can be attributed to the fact that Mira, I think he's the sort that, you know, he would think like. Well, that would be, you know, confusing. I'm going to sort of, I'm going to make it so that it works and that it fits, but I'm not going to make it confusing where I'm like referencing back to something you can't go back and read and, mm. you know, in the manga. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of, it's sort of like a bonus thing for if you're, you know, if you're really into, you know, everything, you have to go and hunt this thing down. Yeah. At this as point. A, as I said in the thread, it was really interesting to play that game. You know, in the time that it was released, while also following yeah. Berserk, because uh, you know it came out at a time when we were still in the Conviction arc. We were still in the thick. I think it was of it was uh, right before Guts uh, went to Albion, or maybe right as he arrived in Albion was when the game came out. And so was the incarnation really ceremony, early? yeah, yeah, it was, wow. it was like we were still reading. Oh, let me put it this way. Uh, I started I might have played it later than you guys. The game came out in uh, the end of uh, 1999, and it came yeah. out in the US in uh, 2000, early 2000, right. I think in March or something like that. Yeah, that's consistent. So it would be volume 19 or, or early volume 20. Anyway, yeah, um, that, it blows me away that he like spoiled his own, st- you know, in a sense, you know, you, you know, it's not, it doesn't go too far to spoil things. You don't even, you know, you don't see Griffith, and I think there's a reason, and. You know, but it's interesting that, he, you know, he does just put it forward in the timeline and, you know, show you, like, this whole, this different world, essentially. Yeah. From the right. one you're looking at. I think in terms of the characters, I mean, he probably already had Casca's character design revealed from the end of Volume 17. So yep. he incorporated that. Yeah. And, um, but other than that, uh, Guts, um, the, the biggest thing to me in that, if you're following that from, uh, from the, while you're reading Berserk perspective is that Femto, it's not uh, present. Is that right? During the uh, yeah, the games? yeah. There's only uh, four. Uh, yeah, the four others, you know, who show up. You know. Oh yeah, that's another significant. We actually yeah. see like uh, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah so there's a small without, after the incarnation. Yeah. So yeah, definitely worth checking out if you're a fan. But uh, yeah, confusing at the time because of all the bad translation problems <laughs> with the U.S. adaptation calling oh, Zod. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, no. He doesn't even like actually ship. say it. It's it's in the. It's uh, in the. Yeah, I, I saw. I was going through all that the other day under the Zotto, uh yeah, profile. Zotto. <laughs> yeah, right. all caps Zotto. Yeah, it's, and, uh, and guts, 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 the voice actor, guts refers to him as Zod, but it's written as Zotto in the thing. Whatever you know, whatever. Well, they had a lot yeah. of weird stuff like that, like where you know Puck will call him, you know, Gatsu, but yeah, he's. It says in the the thing like guts for short. I like how they really, you know. Oh my god! Is it really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It says oh that character god. info. Yeah. If you if you can find the character info section, it says because of his bravery, he's called guts for short. And it's like oh. wow, they really split the difference on this on this topic. 
they really wanted to have it both ways so everyone would be happy. And I remember I even like, I think I bought that explanation. I was like, hey, this is a pretty good idea. And then like, you know, it was quickly explained to me, no, that's just bullshit. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> this is, this is, this is what I sound like when I'm face palming while I'm talking in the microphone. Jesus Christ. Anyway, well, it's gotten to the point where with that game, where just like I've been back, I went back and I've been replaying it this weekend. You know, since we got on the topic and, you know, I don't know, it just has like a feel to it that like I like because, you know, I probably because of Mira's involvement. Yeah. I think I described it in the thread. It has a, it does, thread, you know, authenticity. It does have a, exactly. It has a signature atmosphere to it that seems like him, you know? Yeah. And so, I don't uh, know. I, what I'm you, thinking of, I've never imported the Japanese one and I might do that just to like put it, you know, on my shelf over Zerk stuff like next to the series. Answer me this. If you've, if you've went through it recently, I have a question for you because I answered in the thread when someone asked, and I may have answered incorrectly though. I, I wasn't sure. Zod's incorporation in the game, I, I had always assumed he was there recruiting Nico as a newer apostle. Yeah, that's but, why, yeah. that's why he goes there yeah, to recruit Nico. Okay. But he says he was too weak, you know, because uh, guys could defeat him. So it was just that's a right. waste of time anyway. That's all. I was just curious if, if I was right or not. It's been so long since I actually truly reviewed the story. Again, yeah. I, I went through. You just remember you, you quoted his uh, his piece of dialogue that he says, you know, a million times, and you fight him. The I'm looking for warriors. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, which is confusing in itself because it's like, what, you know, yeah. huh? It do, it doesn't in the at least in the English version, it doesn't make it clear that he's like. Oh, it, it didn't make sense even at the time. But yeah, now that we can look back and say he apostles. was. Well, exactly. I think we, we did actually sort of like come up, this is when we were debating the apostle army concept. <laughs> I don't remember so. this. I, I don't, I don't remember us coming onto that fact before that he would have an army of apostles. I think that was a new thing to us whenever it Oh, happened. I, I was no? on that. I, I okay. think I was on that early. I remember, I think we, I think we debated it, like whether like it would be that sort of, you know, if it would be that, if that would even be necessary, you know, for him to have yeah. to, you know, you know why would he need? You know he's like a god on earth. Would he? Would he even need to do something like that? That was, that was uh, debated in its day. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. But at the time, that was that was sort of fuel for the fire. Like where we, you know, we didn't know what the hell Zod was talking about. Right, and that's sort of what made the game like super compelling to me at the time. Was it was a, a look into the future, even if you didn't necessarily glean too many specific details about the future. It was still interesting to read. Like imagine a game being set now. Two, you know, two years in advance in the story. That'd be super yeah. interesting. You know? Where you're in, yeah, where they're like, you know, you're fighting Zod and Elfhelm, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for warriors still. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for farmers. And actually, uh, someone brought this up in, uh, I think, the podcast uh, questions thread was about the, the new game and the section uh, of original story with uh, What's-His-Face. I always forget his Shower. name. I'm actually... Huh? His name Charles. is Charles. Yeah, but it's, it's you know, Mira, you know, wrote it the French way, so it's not Charles, it's uh, Charles. Okay. Yeah, the, the S is mute. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know it's just, you know, a point of like detail, but yeah, that's how Mira, you know, you know, did it. So, yeah. Okay, so, would, uh, this sort of undermines the, <laughs> the Dreamcast game, but it's like, so is that part of the, uh, Although maybe not, because the rest of the game well, is... Mira, Mira said at the time that it was just for fun. You know, when the game oh, okay. was being released, uh, yeah, he said... There, there's two reasons he put that little thing in. He said he wanted to, you know, show an apostle using magic. And uh, it was, you know, 
pretty clearly, uh, you know, how to say, you know, prelude to Ganishka's appearance, you know, who That's actually, really cool. I didn't, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, who actually used magic. And, uh, yeah, he said, uh, the game was just for fun and that, you know, essentially, you know, fans shouldn't, you know, be too, you know, concerned about the fact, you know, it just trampled all over the story and such. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, that yeah. One, you know. yeah, but that being said, Mura also designed, uh, Charles, the, the, you know, boy apostle. He, he created him. Right. The rest of the story, I think, was probably left up to, you know, the studio who, you know, re, you know, created the game. Did he, did he create the scenario for him? Yeah, 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 probably. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty clear. I mean, when you, when you see it, it's pretty clear he didn't, you know, put, uh, much thought into it. I mean, I, he it, didn't, it he didn't, didn't cre- seem like, yeah, like he did- wish fulfillment, like yeah. that scenario, because it's that whole Hawks, uh, thing is, yeah. a major, is the part that stands out. Yeah, he, I think he just, you know, made it. Yeah, he also said, uh, regarding the, you know, whole thing with the Falcons that he wanted to show, you know, guts being faced with, uh, his nightmares, you know, like what he was afraid of. To, to, you know, actually, you know, what's say, be, you know, accused by his former comrades of, you know, betraying, you know, you know, Griffiths, which, you know, yeah. like, you know, them not approving what he's doing is one right. of his fears. So, yeah, he wanted to, to show guts, you know, being faced with that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Honestly, for, I, for such a I small... Wish he, I wish he had, like, chosen to have guts be faced with that in the manga instead of in that damn game. Because <laughs> that is a, that is like a really awesome, you know, concept and scene. Well, it's the, the dialogue in it with everything uh, they say is pretty cool, too. Yeah, well, it might still be the case, you know, sooner or later. I don't know. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things, uh, the Beast of Darkness, you know, could be used for. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's very realistic, you know, for them to accuse gods, you know. I mean, they were betrayed and killed, and I, I don't think... Well, it's a, you know, it's like a nightmare scenario. Like, yeah. it wasn't real. It wasn't necessarily really, you know, them. Yeah, of course not. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. clear they were just, you know, manifestation of uh, gods, uh, you know, psyche, you know, so... Yeah. It was interesting. It was just funny, their dialogue. Like, where they were just, they did seem like very much like puppets, where they was like, oh, if it helps the commander, we're all for it, you know? <laughs> like, you're, yeah. we gotta stop you. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, let's see. Oh, no. Oh, did you just click a timestamp there? Nah, that's just, that's just me, my loud new mouse. I, I bought a new mouse recently, and it's super loud. I wish oh, it very wasn't. Clicky. But, well, I was just yeah. gonna point out something strange since we're just doing random stuff, is it? The whenever they do an anime series, it's always the golden age. Whenever they do a you know a video game, it's Black Swordsman material, which I you know that makes more sense since you know a majority of the story guts is you know as the Black Swordsman. But I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Like I'm you know I wouldn't be surprised at this new anime series. Well, thing. you know guts. Uh, I mean the guts. You know when you think about guts, you think about him. You know as a Black Swordsman. You know you yeah. think Dragon Slayer. You don't think as why don't. Oh, Why don't uh, anime producers think of him that way? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I have an answer, but uh, it's not, you know, politically correct. <laughs> what? You can't hide that shit from us. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Okay. What? Yeah, that's what I said in the thread as well. As yeah, I mean, yeah. The, as far as a black swordsman adaptation, I feel like I said my piece in the thread. It would be great, but and it would work. Uh, very, very well. But it's a matter of them realizing that and, and putting the effort into making it work. Yeah. Uh, instead of just kind of whatever. 
half-assing the golden age. Yeah, doing whatever the hell they want. That's pretty much what they're doing. God, I hope you know, that it leads to them doing whatever they want with the black swordsman arc. No, wait, <laughs> it's not exactly what I want, but yeah, I don't know. At this point, I would be so all for it. You know, I'd be pretty excited if they actually do it. Just as fact, like, just for it to be done, because all there is is that one episode. You know, at the beginning of the TV series, which sure. is such a hodgepodge of black swordsman elements from like, you know, yeah. the first three volumes all mixed up, and you know. And even yeah. like, even the the prototype, you could argue, because it's like it's basically the way he combined scenes later, or the I should say that the producers combined scenes, sort of in a way like came around to like the way the prototype began, with the girl mm. being harassed. Except it's actually Colette and as Pot right. in his role. This is it's totally weird. It is a weird. The whole the whole first episode is a weird. As you say, it's a weird mishmash. Looking back yeah. on it, it's just strange. Yeah. Where it's like, it's like, well, if you wanted to fit everything into, you know, 20 minutes, you know, that's one way to do it. But, uh, they did spend, they, still spending a good five minutes on the, the perverted soldier guys harassing the little girl. Where it's like, really? Do we need, yeah. <laughs> you could have cut this down to maybe 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. I do still remember watching that episode though, the very, very first time and being impressed by guts just in that first episode, you know, I was, oh, yeah. I wasn't hooked. I wasn't hooked on Berserk immediately, but that definitely left an impression on me at my very first look at Guts, you know. Uh, um, you bring up the anime stuff. And I just wanted to say, I had to set this aside to say myself is that, you know, for all those people that still think the anime, the adaptation is great, like, and think there's a lot of negativity in the thread, like, I just wanted to say, I don't take a, like a lot of pleasure in, putting down the series that's not something i enjoy doing but it's just a fucking fact i mean the thing's garbage uh and i have to call i have to call i have to call it like i see it and it's not like it's not like i set out to find flaws or you know things just to be funny or cool as if it's funny and cool to be negative all the time it's not what it's about man i mean the, the thing's just a piece of crap and I, I, I yeah. said berserk is a berserk fan i can't support it so you know i was thinking the other day that i would actually love you know, to be wrong and for, you know, the third movie, you know, to be fucking amazing, you know, and to be just, you know, really great and, you know, that, you know, the parts missing, you know, aren't felt, you know, too much and, you know, it really redeems the whole thing. I, I would really, you know, honestly, if I had to, you know, if I had to choose between, you know, being vindicated in saying it sucked, you know, since the very beginning or, you know, that movie being great and me yeah. being wrong, you know, I'd, you know, gladly be wrong about that, you know, much like I'd gladly be wrong, you know, about a, a, anything else, you know, if it could benefit the series. But the thing is, you know, it's just not going to happen, you know. I mean, at this point, it's pretty clear. And I'm afraid, you know, people are saying, oh, now, you know, it was all worth it because, you know, the Lost Children chapter can be adapted and such. But, you know, you know, given what they've done with the, you know, Golden Age, is that going to stink on that too? Yeah, you know? they're, they're going to to fuck it up, you know. I mean, I don't know how or why or anything like that, but I don't have a very good, you know. I mean, I, I don't think the the outlook is very good on that. So, yeah, it's not something that I think anybody enjoys, but it's just, you know, like you said, it's just the truth, you know. Just, you know, hiding, you know, lying to ourselves is not going to change the facts. Yeah, I'm actually kind of scared to see the third movie because of the material in it that they're adapting and how they're going to handle it. I mean, just the way they've, you know, sort of eroticized, you know, Griffith's, you know, mm. is it is it not rape of uh, Charlotte is like yeah. it scares me for how they're going to handle that. Because, you know, Sex and Berserk is 
I don't think there's ever, I think there's one decent example where it, you know, it ended well and it didn't even start very well, but it's, it's yeah. usually a bad thing. It's, you know, it's always a bad thing. Uh, I'm afraid they're going to make Berserk into what the people who like Berserk for the wrong reasons, you know, think it is. Or yeah. the people that like, you know, won't give it the time of day, you know, might think it is, you know, get the yeah. wrong idea. They're gonna, exactly. they're gonna actually make it into that, you know, into that bad thing. And it's like, uh. And am I, am I right that there are two versions of the movie? There is an R15 version and an R18 version, meaning... There's apparently yeah, there's one a, that's like the the most graphic animated movie ever. Yeah. <laughs> they're saying, it's like, oh my god, what are they... What are they yeah. They're either being really faithful or they're, or they're doing something wrong, you know? <laughs> like, no, the thing I is, I, I, I really wonder, I mean, how much material they removed, you know? <laughs> From one well, version to the other. Is there like, you know... Ten minutes of rape, you know, going on. I, I really wonder, actually. Probably, yeah. Oh, Appar- apparently, it's serenaded to piano music based on one of the reviews I read. So that that's does crazy. not seem appropriate. <laughs> yeah, I, re- I read that and it stuck out to me like piano music. What? Yeah. Like, what oh, again, fuck? it was a. I mean, I, I based that on a, a bad translation. So I mean, I got as I said the barest essence of what was being said. So I'm pretty sure he said piano music though. So. Um, uh, crap, I forgot what I was gonna say is, oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I was just gonna say, I agree, I'm also filled with dread based on what I've read about that particular scene. And, and it's, you know, it's not supposed to be a comfortable scene to watch or anything, but it's just, I don't, I really don't want them to go overboard with that, cause it's gonna leave a big stink mark on the whole series, you know? Yeah, I don't know, you see the thing, the problem with this movie series is there's still something attractive about the idea of like a berserk trilogy, you know, like that's, all you know, all that stuff, all those trappings, like you know, I've, we said before, like oh, like Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, it's a trilogy, oh, it's so neat. Or, or I like it when I'm not watching it, where I like the idea of it, where I can say in my mind, well, you know what, yeah, they have to adapt it, and it is what it is. It's something else, you know. You just enjoy it as you know this this adaptation or this merchandise, or it's like a movie based on the book, you know, where they're always, it's never, it's never that faithful. But then you watch it, and it's just you know, there's too much head scratching frustrating you know decisions in there that where it's just like you know i can't enjoy it while i'm watching it i can only sort of try to romanticize it you know well, while i mean i've never been the guy that's been where's season two you know i've never that's never been something that excited me as a fan like waiting on hands and knees for a second adaptation it's never been something i've been looking forward like, to not a better adapt people apparently don't want a better adaptation they really did want like season two like let's continue the the funky version of berserk where it's you know off kilter yeah you know right. let's continue the wrong let's continue the wrong version of the story it's like okay i don't yeah. know about that <laughs> let's not let's do it right or not do it at all but i don't know i guess you know people is this how is how are the movies doing is it helping generate a lot of fame for the series like i don't know that it's i don't think it's more popular like to me it doesn't feel like it's more like the i feel like the manga is still more you know more of a sensation than these movies have i mean even just like generating buzz or for newness i don't know in, in terms of what do you mean though in terms of popularity i guess I mean, even I can... just like the you know the the reception the box office the money they're making well, I mean, it's, it's not bang. comparable, really, because the manga doesn't make headlines, you know, whereas yeah. recently the film's been making even, like, Yahoo News Japan headlines, 
the okay. fact that it's been released and the fact that they're they always hold special events. They have they have a huge press core associated with the movie and promotion thing, so it's always going to make more waves because of that. They're holding fucking Griffith themed shopping events, you know, and it's just like all sorts of bullshit. Yeah, I guess it's also comparing movie. apples to oranges to say like the manga is more successful as a manga than the movies that, are as movies, you know, like from a financial success standpoint. That being said, like if you if you peruse the Nichiniru forum, two chan two ch, you know the opinion's pretty much universal. Even Japanese fans, they're not happy with the adaptation. I'm not saying that like unilaterally, but just that's the overriding opinion. Uh, now no one's really super satisfied with it, and there's a lot of complaints similar to how we've been complaining about it, and it has to do with the cuts they made, uh, the atmosphere of the whole thing. It's just not that. Uh... That uh, image you posted. Yeah. Of, uh, I actually, cu- actually I, cu- I sort of enhanced it on the original. The original version had a lot of things that, like, didn't make sense to me. They had a whole panel with Volume 19, Guts and Casca, his little, you know, two-page spread of them. I, I cut that out, but uh, I made it a little more focused, made it a little more potent, because it was, like, a 22-page thing initially, so. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty funny. I got a laugh out of me as well, yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah, Japanese fans, sometimes they're funny. I guess we'll move on. Um, we've been talking Berserk for the past hour. And, uh, well, I mean, what's happening? Do we have any more overriding you know, stuff to say about just our, oh. I guess, first year of Berserk talking? Oh, uh, I have, I, I'm having fun. But, uh, yeah, it's, to me, it's like a scheduling thing. Like, I, I wish I, I you know, if I, it was... If everything, if there was endless time in the world and I had endless time on my hands, I, again, I wouldn't mind recording once a week, but, uh, it's, it was more, it's becoming more difficult to do that, so. I think for the sake of our, like, personal relations, it's probably good to at least keep it at the two weeks, and, you know, I wouldn't mind three. Yeah. Like, I always, I always enjoy the conversation and just, you know, just, just chatting with you guys, too. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, it can't always just be us chatting because I, ha- I have to make the podcast entertaining to everybody. Otherwise, you know, we just talk about like what, what we talk about on G Talk anyway. You know, people listen to this. Come on, you know. No, sorry, sorry, people. Just, I don't do this for you. I don't do this for the do. fans. <laughs> I mean, G Talk keeps logs. I can just read our G Talk conversations. That'd be a pretty funny show too. Oh man, there would have to be some uh, censorship, <laughs> some editing, <laughs> not to hurt feelings. You know. Yeah. <laughs> The stuff we do here ourselves, you know, when we're talking. <laughs> well, uh, I, I guess we'll move on to news and video game stuff. Uh, All right. The next, the next generation is upon us. Five hundred ninety-nine U.S. dollars. Five hundred ninety-nine U.S. dollars. Five hundred ninety-nine U.S. dollars. I could barely yeah. uh, make that out. The five hundred ninety-nine U.S. dollars. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. This one's gonna be, you know, a thousand dollars. <laughs> it's gonna be like you know uh, buying a PlayStation Four is gonna be like an engagement ring or something coming up. It's like, uh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the question I well, first of all, to introduce the topic, uh, Sony is set to do a press, uh, big press thing on February twentieth. It's expected to be a PlayStation Four announcement or whatever they end up calling the next PlayStation, probably the PS Four. But uh, yeah, and the question I had for you guys was like, does anybody care anymore? Has Sony already shit the bed enough that? They can't come back with a PS4, or, or what do you think about that? Oh, uh, I don't care. <laughs> I uh, I think they can come back, but uh, yeah. yeah, they they shouldn't mess up. 
You know, if they mess up this time, they'll be, you know, they'll be gone for good. But no, I think they can come back. I think they've got, you know, the PS3, you know, got up to a bad start. But uh, eventually, over the, the years, you know, they're exclusive, you know, where was it? And they managed to, you know, slowly but surely, you know, you know, crawl back to, you know, let's say being equal to, you know, Microsoft and their Xbox. And uh yeah, I, I think they've got, a, you know, some card to play here. And, and they could really, you know get back to not dominance but yeah a pretty good position uh, the thing is it really really depends on how they price it what games are on it and you know what you know microsoft you know does so and you know of course you know how the market evolves with you know steam boxes and stuff like that but yeah i think i think sony still has you know still has a chance uh uh, it's, it's, you know, no, no, no. I mean, I don't, I don't really think that I, I personally, as I said in the thread, I, and there's nothing, there's really nothing Microsoft or Sony can do for me personally to get me interested in another console. Cause I'm again, I didn't even sign on to the current generation of consoles. But I mean, yeah, I missed a couple games like Red Dead, uh, Revolver is probably the one that, uh, I missed the most. But uh, I don't. I don't feel like I missed out, and I just don't do a lot of gaming in front of a TV. Yeah, I do my gaming on in front of a computer. So I mean, nothing's really going to happen with that. But um, yeah, as far as Sony's announcement, some of the details we know are uh, there's apparently going to be a big emphasis on social media and in general sharing content, and it's going to be oh, uh, an, an else for for not as not not just not just that but that's also going to be a part of it but um there's apparently going to be a button on the controller again this is all leaks leaked slash fake info uh there's a, there's a button on the controller called share and the idea is you'll be able to share either uh your current playthrough with a friend so you can multiplay that way like pass on a game or you can share it'll pre-record the past 15 minutes of your gameplay using uh gaikai the streaming video service they bought uh from dave perry recently uh, so you can basically, you know, people record their play sessions and post them online. You can also review other oh players' God. play sessions, things like that. A feature That's for all... like YouTube whores, you know, basically. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, oh exactly. man, check it out! I know you yeah. couldn't come to my house and watch me play video games, which is always the funnest thing, but now I can send it to you. <laughs> it's like, oh man. Well, yeah. that being said, I think it's a pretty good idea. You know, there's a lot of people who like to do this kind of shit, uh, especially yeah. the, you know, the teenage male, you know, who likes to record yeah. themselves, you know, uh, headshotting, you know, some other guy, you know, on, you know, Call yeah. of Duty. It's... So yeah, I, I think it's a pretty good idea. My first thought was that it's a terrible idea, and my second thought was, yeah, but a lot of people would like this. Like, it was just, yep. you know, to me, it's a terrible thing where it's like, this adds nothing, you know, to the experience. But yeah, for a lot of people, yeah, it would be a big deal. Right. The other thing that's known, uh, pro- pro- pretty sure known anyway, is that there's going to be an LCD screen on the controller. Likely where have I heard that to- before? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of Dreamcast, yeah. Um, and it's also going to be a button. So you can touch it and things like that. So, um, but, uh, the other question is like, you know, is the hardware going to be such a step up that it's even going to be a noticeable, you know, revolution up from the current generation? And, uh, I mean, I, even modern PC games cranked up don't look like super fantastically different to me than consoles other than the resolution. You know, I mean, they're, they're still using, uh, DX9 versus DX11 and I don't think people will notice. As much of a difference as the, the PS2 to PS3, the HD jump, you know, that was a yeah. big thing. But PS3 to PS4, I, I can't imagine it's going to be as visually that impressive. And so I wonder, 
with the um, the way the market is now, if another console is really what this market necessarily needs, is it going to excite enough people to really, you know, beat the predecessors in, in terms of sales? I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think consoles are where it's at anymore. Basically. Well, I don't know about that. You know, a lot of editors, you know, want to, you know, release games, you know, uh, on several platforms. So the thing is, you know, the reason PC games are not that much better than console games because, you know, games are, you they know, have to tailor it to the consoles. Yeah, they are sure, being, sure. They are, yes, they're being created with that in mind. You know, so obviously, uh, new consoles, new hardware. It means, you know. It's not just about graphics, you know, it's also the number of, you know, polygons, you know, at the same time, you know, on the screen, the number of characters, you know. That's graphics. Yeah, but I mean, it's not just, you know, the resolution, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think it could make a difference in a lot of ways. There's also frame rate, you know, on, you know, consoles, frame rate is often limited to, you know, yeah. 30 hertz at, at most. And, um, yeah, beyond that, you know, the, True question to me is, you know, about the budget for games, you know, because the thing is, yeah, sure, they can put more, you know, better hardware and, you know, better graphics and such, but, you know, it costs a lot to make these games. And, you know, as the cost rises, fewer and fewer, you know, companies will be able to release these games. And the thing is, you know, if one of these games, you know, uh, Jose tanks and just, you know, doesn't sell well and such, then that company is going to go out of business. So, you know, I think it's going to be, the industry is going to move in directions that are very polarized, you know, like, you know, there's going to be the big guys at one hand yeah. and the indie guys at the other hand. And, you know, there's not necessarily going to be, you know, a lot in between. That's, I don't think it's a sustainable model. Uh, the whole, you know, you can only take one shot and if you don't nail that one shot, you're fucked. <laughs> I mean, it's not sustainable yeah. because there has to be an ebb and flow for the creative process to work. You can't just crank out hits. You got to experiment some before you can, you know. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I agree. I, 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 and I ahead. think it's a. I agree, and I think it's a problem with uh, the models are going forward. But the thing is, it's what people want, you know. You know, yeah, you, yeah. you see, you see it when Nintendo tries to release, you know, stuff that's a bit innovative or such. Is people what people want is you know bigger you know better graphics you know you know more power that kind of stuff you know people just you know jack off to specs you know without even you know knowing if that really makes a difference in the end you know much like when the PS3 came out people were saying oh yeah it's got the cell processor is going to be you know to perform better than the Xbox and such whereas that wasn't really the case you know you know in actuality when you played you know multi platform games so yeah, people want this kind of stuff. You know, that's what they expect. And it's also why, you know, you know, I mean, the current, you know, console cycle has lasted quite a while, you know, and I mm-hmm. think it's about time for things to, to change, you know, and for new platforms to come out. Oh, sure. It's absolutely time for it. But, uh, uh to go back real quick, just real quick to say about the numbers, the specs and stuff. The only reason I think that's significant is because it's, it's a way to quantify or have a tangible element to what the console is, you know, because obviously we can't predict the ways, you know, engineers and programmers will use this technology to innovate in games. It's just, it's just a benchmark for us to say, this is X much better than the last one, you know. So yeah, of course. But, but, you know, people, people tend from. to like this kind of shit in general. I mean, it's sure, just yeah. the same way for, you know, for smartphones and such. And they're like, oh, well, this one's got a quad core and it's, you know, one point yeah, yeah. or, you know, you know, gigahertz and it's got, <laughs> Uh, you know, 10, you know, ATP, you know, screen and that kind of stuff, you know, and uh, even the pixel pair, you know, uh, right. pair inch ratio, that kind of stuff. People really dig this kind of shit and it 
just, you know, I mean, that's how people are. Much like they like to have a, you know, powerful car, you know, even though they can't drive, you know, faster, you know, on the road. I think they should, uh, bring back the bit scale. <laughs> yes. It's 10,000 bit, man, this system. <laughs> Why the that, same? Yeah. That might actually be a pretty effective, uh, just a quick marketing thing. Cause, you know, we are the generation now that's like the console leaders. We're the ones that buy these things. They should, they should probably start marketing in terms of what we I know, grew it's up not, on. It's you know? not our parents buying them for us anymore. Yeah, <laughs> now exactly. it's us. And, but yeah, it is Call funny because I remember that used to be the biggest thing. There was like, oh, this is 32 bit, but is it really thir-? like the 32 X? Yeah. Not really 32 bit, you know, and the, you know, this. What was it? The Jaguar, the the first sixty four bit system. You know, holy shit, sixty four. Wasn't, wasn't that four separate processors that added up to sixty four or something like that? Yeah, it was something where like you know all of them were far weaker than sixty four bit, yeah. and you know you can't really it doesn't work that way. It's just like, yeah, right. there's stuff like that today though. So I don't know. Yeah, but it, it's interesting. It's something that like at least you know, I don't know. Maybe gamers of uh you know more recent generation don't give a shit about bits or understand it or anything or like no. 8-bit is the only thing anyone knows because of what it represents yeah that's probably right <laughs> uh, I, I said so in a thread uh, for the PS3 successors thread but uh, I, I'm still absolutely looking forward to Sony's show because man if Kaz Harai train wreck there, potential Oh yeah, man! I'm super excited about that. Uh, that Sony 2006 show is really remarkable. Everybody should go watch it. Legendary. That, that horrifyingly bad press conference. It's cringe-inducing throughout the whole thing. So yeah, I can't wait to see what Sony does on February 20th for that alone. You know, similarly, How much these are going to cost four hundred dollars for the base one. Yeah, it's what people expected. are. It's what people are saying. Yeah. Yeah. What about but, uh, the, that's the, the Xbox? Same? Probably. I, actually, you know, um, I think it'll be a little cheaper. Just there, there been there's been some talk that it'll be subsidized, similar to how you buy cell phones, that you will subsidize it over the course of like two years. Like maybe it has a two hundred fifty dollars base price, uh, the, if you want, but you you know pay a, a licensing fee or an Xbox Live Gold, you know, subscription rate slightly in, increased to pay over at the two year time or something like that. Huh. I think Microsoft might try some interesting price structure. They did in Canada, actually. That's why. That's why that theory is. That is what that theory is based on. Is they they try to subsidize Xbox 360 in Canada for I guess 250 or something like that for the uh, 20 gigabyte model. Huh. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I I didn't have much more to say about the Sony stuff. I mean, yeah, it's exciting. I, I guess that there's new consoles. And only in in the sense that I'm sick of hearing about this current generation. It's been it just makes me think, like, I just think of thoughts like, oh, man, that's expensive. <laughs> Why are they doing that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Aren't these ones powerful enough? But, yeah, like as says, I guess it's like it kind of holds it all back because, you know, the even the PC guys can't blow it out because they've got to make it portable. Well, not for every game, though. I mean, there, there yeah. are possible, you know, independent games. Like Diablo 3 is one, for example, but obviously not a great no, example. But those ga- a lot of the, no, but those games aren't even attempting to, like, you know, that's the other thing. It's like if you're going to make a game that's going to go all out, you know, you have to put the money into it. You need to be able to make the sure. money back. So it's like a a weird... Well, Crisis, sort of Crisis is a good example. Crisis is the last yeah. game I can think of that really threw all its money into it and it was a PC exclusive and it sold very poorly apparently. And so <laughs> Crisis 2 was console was console paired and the graphics were like 
actually somewhat less uh, amazing than the first one because they pared it down a little bit. Yeah. Uh. It's too bad. Uh, moving if on. It's so poorly. Why did they make a second one? I guess is another question. <laughs> like, to uh, because they were they had already invested so much in the technology for Crytek Engine Two. Okay, so they had they, to try to get something yeah. out of it. Yeah, Crisis Two apparently didn't sell out well either. I think Crisis is an amazing game. If you have a decent PC, Crisis. I had a lot of fun with Crisis One. A lot. So um, the first one, it's probably you could get it for cheap. Yeah, yeah, you can get it's on sale on Steam for like ten bucks very often. So I'll buy it for you next time. Do you have a Steam account? Yeah, I do. Cool. I will definitely get that for you next time it's on sale. As as knows I'm I don't, good for. I don't it. want to contribute to like what what I see as your game purchasing problem though. Like, <laughs> <I don't. laughs> yeah, let let me live vicariously through you and say it with deals. Oh, so, um, have I got a deal for you. <laughs> yeah, check this deal out. Yeah. Walter's used games car lot. Yeah. Um, I'm playing Fire Emblem on 3DS, and it is really, really good. Uh, I would temper those expectations a little bit in that it is becoming somewhat of a grind later on in the game. I'm at chapter 10 now. I think there's 22, 25 chapters, and it is very grindy, and the, the story is not really... To me, so far, opening up in the, in the terms that I had I had hoped it would it would at this point, but it's still really really fucking good. Um, I, I kind of had expected this would be on the level of like Final Fantasy Tactics, but uh, it's not. You know, it's still pretty fucking good though. Um, if, if you like strategy RPGs and you have a 3DS, it's a really really well polished game. And it's fun. I think you should give it a shot. But uh, I don't think I don't think it's necessarily a must play if you're not a fan of the genre or anything like that. So it's good. Um, Griff and I recently bought, uh, Hyrule Historia, which is a Zelda, um, I, I, I wanted to call it an art book, but it's quite a bit more than that. It's kind of like a Zelda yeah. encyclopedia, sort of. Uh, but it's also sort of a Zelda, like, magazine or brochure, sort of. It's, it's kind of, it's, kinda, has it's got a little bit of everything, yeah. It's got like a, yeah. it's got a manga in the back. Which was pretty terrible. I, have to I say. didn't, I, I didn't, didn't actually read it, I just skimmed it. It looked neat. It looked like it was some neat plot added on to Skyward Sword, but I, I didn't bizarre. bother reading it yet. <laughs> uh, my favorite section of the whole thing is the um, the chronology. Not necessarily for the timeline that they kind of arbitrarily choose for us. But, uh, yeah, the timeline's like, whatever. I don't really care about that. But the, that, that chronology section of the book is really interesting because it goes into – all the main story hooks for each game, you know, and it has like a little detailed part about each one, all the lore that's introduced in each game. Even, you know, even yeah. as far back as like Oracle of Ages, Oracle of Seasons, it even goes into that stuff, which is, you know, I don't really care about it, but it's neat that they detail it. Even it even had the CDI games, which really surprised me. That Whoa. They put the- no, it yeah. doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't remember that. Um, I can't wait to bomb the Dongos. Yeah. The, the, the other missing part is, um, it doesn't doesn't t- talk about the uh, the fact that Walter thought that Aghanim, uh was uh, the, the pixels were messed up on his his character art. Do you remember that discussion? Oh, Ezeal? I can't believe. Yeah, I can't believe you saw <laughs> that. You know, I mean, seriously. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not your fault, but well, I don't remember. You thought it was up. like a skinny guy, you know, or something like that. What? No, no, uh, I'll, it's it's really difficult to explain, like on a podcast. Yeah. I'll put put up. I'll put a picture of it. Yeah, it's, it's, I'll, it's I'll actually, probably... yeah, it's exactly crazy. I mean, uh, well, you know, I'm not judging. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just, you know, 
I'll probably make it the podcast uh, image just to make sense of it. But uh, anyway, um, I was really bothered by uh, Link's pink hair. Like just so they can yeah, basically yeah make him a pink yeah yeah that, that, that was yeah I always wonder otherwise they make his yeah you know it was dumb. I mean, did, if if you have to have that color in there to make him a pink rabbit put it on like I don't know his belt or something and make or make him a brown rabbit <laughs> like that's a better yeah. idea yeah did they did they discuss that in the uh, the book I don't think I remember them I I didn't read I haven't I haven't actually had a chance to really read anything in the book other than okay. like I read over like some of the timeline stuff just to like so I could talk about it today like if. Need it's, me, it's but, difficult. Uh, it's difficult to read through like like a book because it is so scattershot. And how yeah, well, it even, you know it kinda, even what you were saying about like each game. There's like the the first the first section is basically just devoted to Skyward Sword and the 25th yeah. anniversary, and then it's the it's 25th anniversary pages on or something like that. Yeah, and then it goes into the the history section, the chronology, right. which you know goes game by game, and you know it's weird because it'll go back and forth too as it relates. Yeah. You know, like it's got the the starting timeline, which Culminates with Skyward Sword again. <laughs> well, it starts with Skyward Sword and then it culminates with Ocarina of Time, which is when it splits into three different timelines, essentially. Right. The one where Link loses, and then there's the I guess the first it's interesting because now it like it recat how it sort of recategorizes all the games for me. Like the the first two Zelda games, it's like the era of decline is what right. they call it in the book. Because it's that's the last like, two games, the last two in the series, even though it's the first two that were released. So whatever. And uh, and then the uh, yeah the other ones is like where Link wins, and then there's the adult outcome. It's basically what's it's been on the internet for a while actually. Yeah, yeah. Sort of timeline with people debating the legitimacy I'd of it. I just say like it doesn't matter to me the timeline because like you know even if they say they have a timeline in mind, if this is I don't the actually timeline from Nintendo fine you know but it's like it's sort of like those official nintendo instruction booklets you know <laughs> you'd get yeah. where it's like you know um, the thing is it's bullshit i mean this time yeah, I know yeah. bullshit. they know it's bullshit we know it's bullshit they just they did it yeah they it's... weren't spending the last 25 years like miura coming up with this <laughs> let's just put it that way right. yeah you know, they thought into this they just like uh <laughs> make this work the uh, if you if you have to read anything, Griff, you should go read read the uh, the Miyamoto's intro. Oh he yeah, he talks a I lot about that. he talks a lot about the founding like principles of Zelda and, and why they chose the way they did for Legend of Zelda One. And to me, that's the most interesting parts. And that's why I'd hoped they'd go more into the first couple games in this book. They really don't. They kind of skim over those details. I feel like it's a missed opportunity. What for about them to the? Go back uh, is there more? Yeah, because you mentioned how they, you know, like they were focusing. Yeah, you know, there's like a hundred pages on Skyward Sword, which no one yeah, gives a ridiculous. crap about. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, and like two pages for you know yeah, the Legend of Zelda. Two pages for Legend of Zelda and two pages for Adventure of Link. Hmm. Uh, it, it's a sizable part for um, Zelda Three, uh, Triforce of yeah. the Gods, but uh, there's not much more. Uh, and it's also a large part of Ocarina. But again. I'm more interested in learning the history and the, the basic ideas behind the earlier games because to me that's what's known the least, the least, the least, the least amount of. Anyway, yeah, uh, Miyamoto that would be the most says, interesting thing to see a documentary on, like the the creation yeah. of the game in the first place, and like basically everything before the game would be the most interesting thing to you know learn about what resulted in it, all the work that went into that. Some and, of the. Let's go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say. I mean, and like you said, it's it's most interesting because that's the stuff that's unavailable, and it's like you know, I, I came trying to think of a documentary like that on you know they wouldn't they wouldn't even have probably any footage you know or anything to use like if you tried to make something like that. 
So well, there are probably photos. I've seen photos yeah. of Miyamoto working on working on Mario Brothers three. Yeah, but it's um, like Legend of Zelda. I mean, that was you know that was before they were before they were what they were. You know, where anyone would think like, let's document this. You know, oh, I think there's, yeah. there's some stuff. I didn't uh, read these. You know, some uh, plans for the dungeons. You know, I think I saw that they online. Did, yeah. yeah, and uh, I think yeah, I saw was... some pictures of it as well. Hmm. Yeah, uh, walking on it. It was during an Iwata asks for during the release of Skyward Sword, also tying in with the 25th anniversary. But uh, in the in the intro, Miyamoto talks about how the original concept for Legend of Zelda was going to be a dungeon creation game where you would create dungeons and another player would play the dungeon that you created. But then they found that playing it was way more fun than building it. So they said, we'll just make a dungeon game. And then they realized, uh, well, the dungeons themselves are great, but what if you could explore above ground as well? So they had this they created this overworld to map over the dungeons. But what they don't actually talk about in the game, which I, the, the book either, which I've, I always thought was fascinating, although I've never verified it, is that the dungeons themselves actually interlock in, in, a, in kind of an invisible wall. Like if, you, if you actually looked at the, the, the map for all the Legend of Zelda dungeons, you place them all together, they, they would fit like puzzle pieces under the large overworld map. And it, doesn't, it doesn't even necessarily have to be the case, but they just decided to make it that way on a, des, a design choice, you know. Anyway... Uh, some of the things Miyoto says aren't really heartening to me about the way the Legend of Zelda series will progress. He basically says, like, as long as you guys love this game, we will continue, we will continue to make it. We will it. continue that, remaking that, it. <laughs> yeah. That in and of itself is not necessarily that bad, but then he talks about how he wants the series to continually evolve, adapting to current technology, or to innovative technologies, with the core components being, uh, the way the game feels, et cetera, et cetera. Constantly moving forward. To me, I, I think, I mean, I've said this before, I think the series has gone well beyond its, its bounds, uh, it's what makes Zelda compelling. It's, it's so far off the mark with what makes Zelda compelling to me that, you know, implementing new, newer technologies is not gonna excite me. Like, to me, they have to go back to the basics for that series to really matter to me anymore. And I, I just don't, that's not the sense I got from his talk about the future of the series, unfortunately. But I would love to see them revisit those kind of earlier games. Yeah, well, and he does, and I, since I haven't had a chance to like read it yet, I mean, I just like just cracked it open last night. Does he have a presence throughout the book, or is it just that opening? Nope, just like, the one have, two, two page. Oh, that's page thing. oh, that's too bad. Because that would be yep. great to have him, like you know, sort of like if they'd had him just riff on the games throughout, like you know, just sort of like yeah. a little blurb about each one, like a memory you of got- his or something. I got the sense reading it or just looking through it that this was mostly kind of an independent production that was later sanctioned by Nintendo and they may have gotten access to some Nintendo documents, but Nintendo or no one with a Zelda team was guiding them along the development of it. So I think they had to make a lot of guesses and shortcuts in terms of making it all make sense. Like the timeline itself is not an official thing. It's a, we came up with this kind of thing. Mm. Anyway, uh, Zelda fan should get it because it's pretty cheap on Amazon. Twenty bucks and things massive, very it's, high. Yeah, it's very volume. impressive. It looks like this, like yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, library volume. You know, it's like it's pretty, really uh, good looking. And uh, it's by Dark Horse, yeah. which it looks it a lot better Horse. than their Berserk material, which is you know another <laughs> story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes you think of how awesome would a Berserk volume be that that size and that hardbound? Oh my god! Oh yeah, I was I was thinking that when I was looking at like the manga in the back. I was like, oh man, if the Berserk yeah. pages were this big, 
Yeah. Oh my! Imagine imagine reading a Berserk the size of the art that Mira creates. Yeah. Oh, wow. that's pretty awesome. Oh, now it, it's hurting. Uh, it's hurting. So. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. I guess we'll move on to questions, unless you guys have other stuff video game related. Is anybody else playing anything? No, nope. uh, just Diablo two. You know, I've got a level fifty nine hardcore character in Diablo three, and I can't bring myself to finish it because I've I've wow. turned on the game. Yeah, it's just one of these things where it's like you know, it's I've been playing the second one, and you know, by comparison, it's like it feels I don't know. There's just something plastic about it. Like you know, it's yeah, you, you've, something you know, you've you've reached the conclusion I reached after my second playthrough of the game. Yeah. <laughs> Well, my dad is level 87 Paragon level, so he has it. But even he says he doesn't enjoy it anymore. <laughs> like, he's just doing it because he's going to get to level 100. Wow. After, it's probably going to take him another, you know. What's your Diablo be- 2? Is your Diablo 2 character a barbarian? Oh, yeah. Tarkin. Of course. Yep, okay. Same one. I'm rebuilding my old one. I'm trying to get everything yeah. he had. Yeah. And beyond. I had fun replaying Diablo 2 a couple months before Diablo 3. I think I made a Bone Necromancer, and that was really fun. It's still a good game. That game holds it up still. It would actually be a fun idea to me to, like, get a trainer and in single player create, like, a bunch of berserk characters around the classes. Like, you can make a druid, <laughs> transforms into the bear and say it's Zod. And <laughs> stuff like that. Oh, yeah. You know, make Skull Knight out of the Necromancer, but you can also make Griffith out of it without a helmet, you know, stuff like that. Basically, go. like, playing with dolls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, pretty much. Mm-hmm. We'll move on to um, member questions. We have, like, four or five of them. Um, we only have 13 minutes to finish it, though, so we're going we're gonna to go through it pretty quick. Uh, first question comes in from, is it ASIC or ASIC? It's all in caps, so I'm just going to say ASIC. Uh, I'd like to hear your take on a new Berserk game. Uh, what would you like to see, open world or linear, uh, non-canon or canon or co-op? Um, I'll go first. Uh, I-, I would like to see a new Berserk game, but I have no idea what kind of game I'd like to see. Although I would like it to be a side story similar to uh, Oblivion Herbs. I don't – I would really – I mean, following the manga you know, section by section like the PS2 game did, not very exciting. Get, you kind of know what to expect. Kind of just reliving these moments. Uh, that doesn't really thrill me. Uh, a newer story would be great. I would even like to see something even further, like even take it away from guts. Like expand your horizon for what's possible in a Berserk game. Like make it a, a, an original character. Like maybe something around Falconia. Maybe something like that. Just, just, the Legend uh, of Zepic. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I don't. Not. I don't think using a character in the guts would be very interesting for you know <clears throat> players. But the thing is. If it's gonna be, uh, canon, you know, and fo- following, uh, just, you know, the, you know, different parts of the story, it's not going to be very interesting because it doesn't really lend itself too well to actually a game. So I think the best would have to be, much like Walter said, uh, a side story, much like, you know, the Dreamcast game, you know, if possible, written by Mura and made to be, you know, compatible with the rest of the story, you know, as told by the manga. But, uh, yeah, it would have to be a side story. And if anything, I would like to be, I would like it to be, uh, a bit more, much like, you know, uh, the previous games were something where you control, you know, guts, you know, from a third person, you know, perspective. What if, let's put this out there. I hate these games too, but, um, 
<laughs> what about the um, what are the ones where you play as like Chinese warlords against like thousands and thousands Dynasty of people? Warriors, yeah, I was yeah. thinking yes. that. I was damn it, I was Think going about, to say that next. I was well, just looking up the title of those games. I was gonna say like if they did something like you know, what if you were they could a, what have if you were Band a, of the Hawks era, they could have like uh, the, what the if new you were, band what, of what the Falcons. Were, what if you were an apostle? Playing against like uh you know against against you know thousands and thousands of ten thousand humans or two thousand orcs or or, sorry orcs excuse me trolls yeah (laughs) that would and then you could and then you could transform or something like that into an apostle I think that would be a really awesome game you know and and again you don't necessarily have to be guts to make it interesting I think you can be a lot of different characters and you still be yeah you could like you know if you're playing the what would be interesting about that that would make it different is it would be like if it was like a Dynasty Warriors game where you could like you could play as like Griffith commanding the the old Falcons into battle yeah. against uh, Tudor and then you could have one where it's like you're doing the same thing you know as you know where you're leading your Apostle army against the Kushans. Oh, yeah. you could also lead Guts you know the Raiders that would be that would be a lot of that would be really different and kind of fun yeah. to mess around with. You know, I, I, every every time I play a strategy game, a strategy RPG, I almost always name them after Berserk characters, or and I always name my group the Falcons. That's what I've done the past <laughs> several years, you know. So I wouldn't mind a strategy RPG like that either, you know. So, uh, next question, did you, Griff, did you answer yours? I'm sorry. Yeah, that mine was basically just uh, the dinosaur. Well, I was, I guess, okay. I was just saying like just because I noticed like. All the games are Black Swordsmen. All the anime they do is, you know, the the Golden Age. So switch it up. Make it a Golden Age game if you want to. If we're going to capitalize on nostalgia and if it's going to follow yeah. the manga. But yeah, like as said, the best thing would be like basically the model of uh, the Oblivion Herbs chapter game. Sure. Uh, next question comes from Gobbs. He asks, uh, is there any part of Mira's art that you don't think was all that great or could have been done better? If so, what was it? I've already given my answer earlier in this episode, so somebody well, else. Could. There are, there are specific panels which, uh, yeah, I think would be done better all over, you know, all through the series. But, uh, you know, even in, uh, you know, the latest episodes, I mean, not like, I don't have any specific uh, example in mind, but, you know, there's always going to be some things that you know, I think could be done better, you know, even in volume, you know, like, you know, 28 and such. But, uh, yeah, generally speaking, not really. I mean, there's some parts where, the, you know, uh, art was not as good as, you know, in other parts of the series, but, you know, I don't really have, you know, something specific to say. I would have to post, you know, specific panels. Uh, the again the the famous panel of Casca's foot, you know, just put a <laughs> throw uh, a boot on there. <laughs> not so famous. They didn't. No one. No one seemed to get it for a while. So yeah, that's true. Maybe, but you know, <laughs> to me that stands out as just like you know, I guess uh, like a blooper, like you know, as close yeah. as there is to like just a straight out like whoops, you know, a whoopsie that got through even in the the volume version. But you know, yeah. it doesn't really matter. Like as says, there's always little mistakes and things. That just comes with the territory. So, I don't know. I, I guess, I mean, overall, style-wise, I've always liked it. I even liked, like, the old Black Swordsman stuff, you know, the, the more Spartan early, you know, stuff that's more representative of, I guess, you know, it would look like a detailed manga if it wasn't Berserk. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's very, <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah. You know, it looked like a really great, you know, manga, but, you know, we're just used to the such higher standards now with the series. So yeah, that's about all I have to say about it. Next check question. Out, check out my from, thread to see more. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Grail asks specifically, Azil, can you humor us with the story behind the famous croc photo? Or is it an alligator or a croc? No, it's a crocodile. And uh, it was actually in Africa, you know, uh, in the wild jungles of Africa. And, uh, yeah, actually there's a lake uh, where there's, you know, tons of crocodiles, you know, and, you know, uh, tourists can go there. You know, if you know the guys and they'll feed uh, a chicken to the croc and you can like, you know, just take a pic, you know, a picture with it. So, yeah, it's nothing really special. It was in Africa. It was in a country specifically called uh, Burkina Faso, which, uh, yeah, was uh, previously a Belgian colony, I believe. At the time, it was called, you know, La Haute Volta. So nobody cares about this. Anyway, (laughs) yeah. So yeah, it's uh it's in West Africa and uh, yeah, there's, there's nothing really specific you know to say about it uh, other than that I guess. Now the crocodile wasn't drugged. I didn't wrestle it or anything. It's just you give you feed him a chicken. So while it's got it in, the, in its mouth, you know, it's less likely to try to bite you and you know uh, <laughs> you know unwind your limbs. So yeah. Well, that's, that's I was going to say, do they, I was going to ask you that if they fed it the chicken to like sort of fill its belly and so it'll be like, you know, uh, you know, just sort of sit there. Well, the thing is, yeah, it's got the chicken in its mouth, so it's, it's, you know, it doesn't want to lose it, you know, by it's biting occupied. it. Yeah, see, pretty much. And the thing is, uh, that one was uh, a pretty old crocodile, you know, like, you know, I don't know exactly who old, I forgot, but it was pretty old, so it was also less likely to be, you know, it's less aggressive. And, you know, the villagers, you know, actually swim in the lake, you know, you know, around the crocodile. So, I don't know, there must be accidents from time to time. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty old picture. When you when you approached the crocodile, whenever the, the tour group arrived at the, at the crocodile, was everybody, like, hesitant to do it? And then, and then you stepped up and you were all like... Well, uh, the thing is, you know, I say it's a tourist place, but it's not like, you know... I mean, it's not like there are cars of Japanese tourists, you know, going there or anything like that. <laughs> it's know, not like I, Disneyland. Yeah, I, I went there with my father because he really knows the country well, you know, all that uh, region, you know, the mm. Sahel and such. And uh, so, yeah, I went there with him and my brother at the time. And yeah, we just, you know, we just did this. Uh, it was just, you know, just us, you know. And I, I, I don't even think it's uh, being done anymore because, because of accidents, because people actually got, you know, bit by crocodiles and, you know, possibly killed, you know, and such. So it was not like a very, you know, yeah, maybe maybe saying it was touristic was a bit, you know, exaggerating. But yeah, okay. it's something they did with tourists in order to, you know, make some buck on the side because obviously to them, you know, any money is a lot of money. Anyway, yeah, right. so I did that just with my father and, uh, and my brother, yeah. And uh, obviously we were not, you know, necessarily very, you know, <clears throat> confident, you know, going in there. Mm. You know, actually, as a matter of fact, as I put my foot on the crock, I pressed, you know, a bit too much and it actually moved a bit, you know, like he turned oh, around shit. and was like, you know, the fuck you're doing, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, and I just, you know, I just, you know, I don't know. I didn't feel, you know, too intimidated. I just stayed there and no problem. And we took a picture and, and we just left. But, you know, after that, they were like, yeah, dude, you know, come on. You know, what the fuck you're doing? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> the only wildlife I saw in Africa was from a distance through a zoom lens. Unfortunately, yeah, didn't you do a safari when you went to see your sister? Yeah, I went to, uh, at the base around Kilimanjaro. We did a safari. Uh, the trouble, the only trouble I had, it was it was gorgeous. Um, the one thing I'll say about Africa was that uh, because the landscape and the geography is so flat, the sky seems ten times larger out there 
than it is yeah. before I, in places I've seen in my lifetime. Uh, so it's really amazing to see Africa like that. But, uh, the wildlife, you know, we didn't get too close and I was with a bunch of tourists on a tour van and everyone else had, you know, 1000x zoom lenses and I had my little like 12x zoom lens. And it did not go very far. Uh, so that was unfortunate, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. Everybody should take a chance whenever they have a couple thousand bucks to spare. Go take a safari. Um, next question comes from Incantation. Uh, is Sidro at this current age versus Guts at this same age in versus mode? Who do you think would honestly win? I don't know. <laughs> well, I was thinking about it. I was trying to, you know, come up with sort of strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, I, I even with like the magic, uh, stuff, I still, I still give it to Guts. I just think he's more seasoned. Yeah. Well, Guts That's, is a main character, you know. He's always going Guts to win. He's going to win on, uh, on principle. He's going <laughs> yeah. to put down his main character, like, calling cards. You know, he's got more Guts, him. you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is nickname, after all. That's why his friends call him Guts. Because he's uh, got him. But, uh, I don't know, I was just I, thinking about it. And, like, Isidro is still too, you know, up in his head about all this stuff. You know, he's always, every time he has, a like, a showcase fight, like, half the showcase is him thinking about, you know, fighting. Whereas, you know, Guts just, you know, by a certain age, Guts just destroyed people. I mean, I think he only, I think he's lost, like, we've seen him lose, like, three times. Once was to Griffith, and, like, the other two were when he was a child. Like, getting, you know, beat by Gambino. And then, uh, by that one guy, Gambino killed, the one who hits Guts in the back with the, the Morning Stars. Or, yeah. Well, yeah, so it's... To give Isidro some credit, uh, you know, Guts has been fighting since he was born, you know, whereas yeah. for, for Isidro, he actually chose a lifestyle, you know, later in his life, so. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's a relatively newer, you know, fighter, you know, he started, he pretty much began learning under, by following Guts. Before that, he was sort of a thief. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, it would be, it would be depressing, though, to see, like, you know, adolescent guts somehow beaten by, like, Isidro because Isidro throws, like, a magic bomb at him and, you know, blows <laughs> him. It's like, oh, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's it for questions. Yeah. Uh, I say that phrase every single time, too. Wow. Yeah, I guess we're done with the show. Um, I realize, Azil, now that we finished that, um, you saw Django Unchained, right? Yeah. That's right, and that, and that was good. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Hmm. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say about it, but yeah, yeah, honestly, it was pretty good. Um, you know, I think you know Tarantino's movie tend to be you know overrated. You know these days. I mean, I, I didn't think Inglorious Bastards was incredibly great or anything like that. But uh, yeah, Django was pretty, honestly, pretty good. I, I liked, you know, the, you know, even the little stuff like, you know, having Franco Nero in there, you know, it was, it was neat. And you know, the the way he treated. Of course, I'm not very familiar. I mean, I'm not as familiar as you guys have to be with, uh, you know, slavery in America or anything like that. But I think the, he managed to treat the subject somewhat, you know, tastefully. While still, you know, making it an action movie and having the, you know, black hero be a badass. You know, I, I read in an interview, he said he made the movie so that, you know, a young black people could have, uh, you know, characters they could identify with, you know, someone who's badass and just, you know, and, and yeah, I, I think that's actually, you know, you no, know, he actually managed to do it. And I wasn't, you know, too confident about Jamie Foxx, you know, going in because 
I, I didn't feel like he was necessarily a great actor, but actually I think he replayed, you know, well into the role. And of course, you know, Christopher Walsh, you know, was, you know, great. And even, you know, DiCaprio and all the others were pretty good. So overall, you know, yeah, pretty good movie. Entertaining. And I, I didn't see like, you know, the movies like, you know, two hours and 40 minutes. And I wasn't mm-hmm. bored or anything like that. Whereas, you Holy know. Holy shit. Yeah. When I saw, long. when I saw The Habit, you know, I was bored the fuck out of my mind. Like I was like, shit, when's it going to end? Oh no, they're still fighting. Oh no, another fight. Okay. Oh, not another ending. Yeah. Now they're going to be taken away <laughs> by the eagles. Okay. Now they're going to be dropped off. All right. Let, you know, let's get on with it. So yeah. <laughs> Honestly, pretty satisfying. I'll check it out whenever it's on uh, VHS. Can go run a blockbuster. I'm gonna get it yeah. on, uh, yeah, on beta. So, <laughs> well, let's go by my local, my local blockbuster and pick it up. Yep. Whenever it's on. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not a, a story, huge. It's a story more representative of uh, Berserk and its revenge tale heyday when it was uh, a fantastic Quentin Tarantino story. <laughs> Not the Lord of the Rings, not the Hobbit story that it is now. As was just explaining the difference. <laughs> no, what were you going to say, Walter? I was just going to say I'm, I'm not a huge Tarantino fan. I, re- I really love Pulp Fiction. Um, and I, I, I like Jackie Brown for uh, what it does. But I don't think Kill Bill's kind of embarrassing to me looking back. I thought Inglorious Bastards was fun, but not necessarily like super significant. Uh, yeah. so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it, but it's, again, the name Tarantino doesn't really, like, bring me screaming into theaters. It's just not the kind of movie that QT in there. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I feel kind of the same way. It's like, uh, I, I think all his movies are, uh, highly entertaining, though. So, I mean, yeah. there's that. It's just the, you know, people go, people go overboard sometimes. They go a little nuts, but it's, you know, it's always very entertaining. And I think, yeah. I think when you watch them, that's like, that's the aim. It's to be entertaining. It's like, I don't think he's always, sure. you know, I think a lot of this stuff gets attributed to people. Like, I think David Chase is another one that got like corrupted by like the success of, you know, the Sopranos, where then the show became this weird, you know, pretentious, like having to live up to what it was being billed as. <laughs> where it's like, suddenly it's like, yeah. it's about surrealistic fever dreams of Tony instead of, hey, wait a minute, wasn't this about like, you know, I thought this was already interesting because it's like a, a TV show about a mobster and his normal life, which is interesting in itself. We don't need to add all this, you know, crap. So, yeah, I think he's – I don't think he's fallen into that though. He's still just sort of doing like entertaining stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. And it, it's also worth saying that it's nice that he's spitting out movies at a relatively quicker clip than he once was. You know, it seems like he yeah. took a lot of time off to do Kill Bill. Uh, and all that stuff, and now he's doing it's, movies like once every two or three. Click the button, you know, by mistake. Oh, uh, okay, no big deal. We're still recording, so well, we'll just uh, we'll we'll include we'll include that part for fun. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying he makes a movie every like two to three years, and I think I remember an interview where he mentioned. Uh, it was something like Francis Ford Coppola's like wife or something said to him because he was like he was you know he was doing that where he was taking years between projects like you know half a decade a decade and you know he didn't want to always be making movies and it was like Francis Ford Coppola's wife or someone connected to that family that told him you know while you're still young enough to do it you really should get out there as much as you can because like you know you eventually you're going to be too old where it's like it's going to be too hard the stress of making a movie 
And, you know, yeah. you don't want to leave a bunch of stories on the table that you wanted to make that you couldn't. I guess, you know, they were speaking from experience with uh, him. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Where it's That's like you, you can't make Apocalypse Now when, you know, you're you're in your 60s or 70s probably. It would be pretty difficult. So, yeah, you know, they told him to get out there and, you know, whatever he's got to do it. And I guess he's doing that. Cool. We're, we're, I'm going to have to cut it off there because I do. I got a split. But, um... Good show, guys. Happy anniversary for sure for Sirius this time. And we'll be back in a couple weeks. Maybe, maybe three weeks this time. Maybe, maybe that'll be the way it goes. And, uh, no news on a new episode, uh, right now, but as always, we will let you know as soon as we know that kind of stuff. Catch you later. All right. So. Yeah.